This is Walter Deptich, also known as Wojo. You are listening to the Browns Huddles podcast. Uh, please enjoy the show. Also, buckle your seatbelt. And welcome to another episode of the Brown Subtle Podcast. I am your host, Jason Hand. We are part of the Zedia Network. That's media spelled with a Z. For more information on the Zedia Network, you can find them on Twitter at Zedia Network. If you are a Cleveland Browns fan, have a story to tell, and would like to share it, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are wide open. You can find me there at Brown Subtle. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Brown Subtle Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, and please share the show. It helps more than you will ever know. This week, we have a very special guest coming to the huddle, Walter. He also goes by Wojo. You can find him on Twitter, at Brojo Death Punch. Yes. B-R-O-J-O, death is in the end of life. Punch, like a delicious There you drink. go. Brojo Death Punch. I love it. Um, Walt, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I love talking football, but not only that, I especially love talking about the Browns. I am so excited. It's like, like if I try to sit there and talk to somebody on the street about football, they might be like, okay, I'll give you five minutes. It's actually a good way to connect with people. You talk about the Browns for about 20 minutes. They go, dude, who are you? <laughs> especially because no I live in Jersey and finding a Browns fan in New Jersey is kind of rare. Um, they're like diamonds, but they're like, they're beautiful, beautiful diamonds. Uh, I've actually run into quite a few of them, strangely. One was a cop that pulled me over. He's like, you're a Browns fan? How the heck did that happen? I'm like, you're a Browns fan too? What are you talking about? So it always, you just find people, and it's I, I love it. I love talking about the Browns. This is an exciting time of year. This is an exciting offseason. We are one week away from free agency, my friend. I know. And it's been, it's been a crazy, it's been crazy all the way up till now. And not even touching the Browns, like the whole other, like the other 31 teams are all going bananas. We got trades for like uh, golf and Wentz. You have Dak Prescott getting uh, an extension. You have everybody who's not like a top tier guy getting cut and released and like restructured. And it's like, dude, get the heck out of, you know, we were talking right before the, the show about Zeitler getting released. And it's like, he'll, like you said, he'll sign tomorrow, but. It's just crazy to even think that there are guys who are that talented that are not not having jobs right now. No doubt. Let, let's get into your Twitter bio. I, I don't know about you, but I like reading Twitter bios, and yours is interesting. Uh, your Twitter bio, bio says you're a lawyer, indie filmmaker. True. That's true? Okay. I might need you in the future. Maybe, maybe not. Hopefully. Indie uh, filmmaker might be more retired. We were talking about that before. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, photographer writer and stand-up comedian and also fantasy football enthusiast and you're an nfl draft junkie so you're the perfect i'm gonna call you can i call you a guest host for today instead of a guest oh absolutely this is dude it's all it's all in my forte we're all photographers by the way like let's be real we live in 2021 we all have cameras on our phones i i might know how to use a dslr but we all have taken amazing pictures at this point they make brilliant brilliant cameras now remember 10 years i had dslr and it's like this is amazing and now it's like wow this doesn't even compete anymore it's like y'all just you just blew it all out of the water but yes fantasy football love it that's what got me into the game and then the draft, I just fell in love with it. It's what keeps you into it every year. So I just, 
I, I, and I'm excited to be here with you. I, and, and who are, and everybody who, uh, do you have a name for like your fans? I don't, but I know people do that. Uh, do I have a name for my fans? I guess they're all Brown stands. So I guess, <laughs> I guess they're all Brown stands, but I'm just saying like, cause I know some podcasts, they do that. Like, Oh, we got like the, the, the spunky junkies or something. I don't know. I don't have a name for, Man, I, I, guess I, I need to come up with something, huh? <laughs> I I heard some people do it before. I don't know if everybody does it. I, not anybody whose shows I've been on or shows that I guest on or have been on, but I just, I, I do know people who've done it. I, maybe I've been on a couple of shows where they had names. I, I'll forget though. Like, let's be real. Like, I'll forget about it eventually. Like if you're like the, the people who are big fans of shows, though, they usually have people who they sometimes they have like little like throw in jokes to like their guys or whatever, or their people. So I don't know. Uh, as far as that, uh, that goes. Um, so you were talking about my Twitter bio. Yes, I am a lawyer. Uh, I'm actually a lawyer in New York and New Jersey. So anybody wow. gets in trouble over there, those two states, totally good. Anywhere else, even if you get in trouble in New York and New Jersey, I'm not entirely sure I'm the guy you should call. Like, I do a lot of real estate law at this point. Like, I did do some criminal. <laughs> and I love criminals, actually. I got to tell you, like, I'm, I'm pro-criminal. Like, I'm one of the few guys. It's like, you know what? Get away with doing what you got to do. Like people kept on telling me I should go be a prosecutor. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, like, I would just, I would give too many good deals. It's like <laughs> this guy had like murdered six people and you let him off on like, you gave him three months in jail. I'm like, yeah, but he had these like nice, sad puppy dog guys. He was just so cute. Like, I just wanted to let him go. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he, looks, he looks innocent. I mean, yeah. so he just murdered 70,000 people. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't make me a prosecutor. <laughs> Tell the judge not to okay my deals. I'm sorry. Anyway, so yes, I have the law background and I fell in love with the fantasy and then I fell in love with the Browns. Like uh, going on, I, I know I lived through the Hugh Jackson season. That was seasons. Those were, those were fun years. It was weird because I, I always defended Hugh Jackson in the moment. And then I realized like I was wrong. I was the abused child in this relationship. I defended him till the very end to where I, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I physically couldn't defend the man anymore. The last year- go. The last year, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand Todd Haley. It was funny watching Hard Knocks because everybody was like, so they're so amazing. And the only good thing about to me to Hard Knocks really was Carl Nassib giving financial advice in Jarvis Landry's bless him and then his speech in the, the wide receiver room. Like those things were great. But everything else, like, eh, like I love Baker, but Baker's like real pizzazz didn't come on until in midseason. Like that, like, well, week three when they were playing the Jets. Which that yeah. was that was an amazing day. That was I, I like the camper. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, the camper was cool. That like I don't know the, the camper thing was kind of like I'll 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 forget that in two years to be honest. Like I honestly forgot that that was a thing I do. But like the camper thing is cool when you're watching it. Like the, like don't get me wrong. I I will say this: they do some amazing things. Like you'll find some fun tidbits. But they're really focusing on like the side characters, the guys who they're not taking off the practice field and taking away time from. Like, there's a reason why they were having uh, Nate Orchard on that show and talking <laughs> to him. He was not making the team, right? I, was it Kajuice? Was there Kajuice that year? Not yeah, Kajuice. the the tight end. Yeah, uh -huh. like there yeah, that was the, the other guy who everybody the spiritual was, rocks guy. <laughs> yes. So that was like another one. Everybody was just harping in on. I'm like, these guys aren't making this team. This is all they focus in on every year. I figured out, I figured out this, this scheme here, like week one, it's just find all the third year, find all the guys are going to get cut in three weeks, make everybody feel sorry for them, which is great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I want these guys to do really well in life. Even the guys who are going to get cut. I want them to be back on a roster on a practice squad. These guys, they all deserve whatever they can get out of it. So I, I think that, 
uh, it's just hard knocks is kind of funny because you figure out the formula relatively quickly. No doubt. Um, I have a couple fantasy questions. I don't think it's ever too early to talk about fantasy football. I have some draft strategy questions. Mm -hmm. All right. Walt, in your opinion, do you go running back heavy in your first couple picks? Does it depend on where you're picking? What, what's your draft strategy for your first couple picks? All right. So yes, it always depends on where you're picking, but yes, I lean running back like 90 something percent of the time. Like it, it really does depend. Um, I know this year I definitely leaned running back heavy and like last three or four years. Like I, I caught on to that, that trick really early was um, using your early round picks on running backs or is usually better because like the top, it, your best shot of getting a top five to six running back is in the first three to four rounds. And if you, if you have two guys who do that and they perform in the top five, the amount that they outperform, say the 25th best running back is two and a half times what the wide receiver five does compared to the 25th wide receiver. Like uh, you might see, like, it might be like 20, it, it might be two and a half points a game compared to one point a game, but it's more than that. But uh, like, my point is it's, it's like a, uh, it's literally you are getting a 250% value uh over what the replacement like say the 25th running back is the, the value is very low like especially like think about the 25th running back and when you have to start them you're like i'm not winning this week not not <laughs> if this is the guy who i'm relying on maybe right, right. maybe maybe if there was like the the ones the the one exception to that rule are rookies if you could find the rookie guys or the guys who are going to pop this year james robinson was kind of the sleeper that pulled out of nowhere Man, I, I was happy when I got him this year, man. I was like, oh, my God, he's he 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 really props up everything. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do that next year, but James Robinson was one of those sleeper guys. There's always one, like, last year it was Terry McLaurin. This year it was James Robinson. But I always lean running back heavy because your best shot of getting that top five to ten is always in the first three to four rounds. Whereas if you have almost, and now it is especially, like it's almost become so de facto wide receiver is so deep that it doesn't, like, Yes, the top wide receivers are great. And if you have a number one wide receiver, it's going to help you. But like, for instance, this year, I like you can usually find a guy who's going to be in the top 10 for wide receiver, even into the third or fourth round sometimes. And the, the, the real trick is to then spend those picks like to go ahead and bolster those receiving corps later on, because if you're getting if you're getting wide receiver two value at at your wide receiver position and you're getting RB one value at your running back position, you're doing way better than the guy who has wide receiver one at both uh, wide receiver spots. And then again, almost every team, every league plays flex. Now I think it does change. If you also have more wide receiver spots, if you play a three receiver league versus a two receiver league, then you start weighing in a little bit more receiver, but still the, the lack of, like I said, the top, five to 10 guys it's such a difference and every year it seems like I get running back still gets a little deeper it's still never deep enough so it's just a well you have to keep going back to and then you just stop drafting running backs after the fifth or sixth round if they're not rookies because the why like I said running back 25 almost never useful like I who running back 25 unless you're getting James White who again I don't even think he, like the, those years where he was really good he was like, you were getting a value for him, but he was like one of the rarities. And you have to kind of generally think of it as it's a numbers game with that, where it's like, okay, you're trying to take as many shots at the top five or four top five guys. And again, if you get three top five running backs, which if you spend three for three picks in a row on running back, you have that shot. 
yeah. if you end up getting in that value range, you're outperforming again the receivers by a ton. Yeah, I mean the 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 first there's only five running backs that are are um, bell cows. After that, it's all running back by committee. I know my draft strategy usually is that my first and second pick are going to be running backs. That's how I usually do it, and then I'll go to the best wide receiver available for my third. Um, usually fourth round. Sometimes on the fourth round, I'll, I'll switch back to running back and then go back to wide receiver, depending on how deep it is. How deep it is, how 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 your draft went. Like I've had years where I just had to take running backs in the third and fourth round because my top 12 to 24 wide, uh, wide receivers, like uh, my top 12 wide receivers were off the board. And I'm like, well, I have a higher value here. It's weird. I actually dealt with it the way you should probably deal with a real draft where it was, like the year I one year I had Aaron Jones, uh, I, I took Aaron Jones in the third round after I took, I think it was, oh, who would I take that year? It was, it was two years ago when Aaron Jones first popped. Um, I took him in the third round and between him. Was I it Dalvin it was, Cook? Did you take Dalvin Cook? No, it was the one guy, I, I think it was Joe Mixon. It was the year Joe Mixon played really well. Okay. Um, because Cincinnati ignores offensive line, ignores having, ignores retaining players, which, by the way, will be a good thing for the Browns. I think it'll help help the market, but I, and that's partially because the Bengals happen to be a very cash poor team. Um, but yeah, usually the Mixon was. Uh, I'm trying to think. Who, I don't think it was Nick Chubb, but it might have been Nick Chubb one year. Um, Josh Jacobs. Oh yeah, he's a good one. I'm trying to think because. I, I would have just pulled it up earlier and, and set me up for this, but I didn't, I didn't pull up any of my fantasy stuff. I, I was, that was the trick thing. I, you were, I was coming on for Brown's talk and I'm like, Oh, fantasy. I love fantasy. I, I, I threw you now a curveball. Yeah. yeah. But I'm trying to think, I'm like, I definitely took Nick Chubb in quite a few drafts um, two years ago. Even this year, I was, I was relatively high on Nick Chubb compared to a lot of people. Um, this year I had Alvin Kamara as my, uh, I, and I was, that was like having gold at one point because he was outperforming everybody. Like it was like, it was like, if you were in the top five and you took Kamara, that was the one top five running back that handled everything really well. Was it Christmas day? He scored, was it six touchdowns? Oh, it was insane. It was, I remember, yeah, it was, I think it was the Christmas day. It was like the, it was or Christmas amazing. Eve or something. <laughs> yeah. The six touchdowns broke the record. It was so fun watching that. It was like, I mean, oh he my had like God. 60 something fantasy points. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. You have to take shots on guys who are going to go ahead and really be able to perform like that. Aaron Jones, most years is not a top five running back in draft the last two years, but he's performed really well. So he was usually Josh Jacobs, another one that people kind of sleep on a little bit. Joe Mixon last year did not do well, partially because he got injured. But if you find, and again, like I said, the rookie guys, I try not to take, I've learned to maybe try to avoid rookies like before the fourth round because you just never know like this year Jonathan Taylor a lot of guys took and I was worried with that first because of Marlon Mack and I didn't think they were going to give Jonathan Taylor the job then Marlon Mack tears his Achilles and then they still didn't give Jonathan Taylor the job they were rotating guys in they had Wilkins um Wilkins the guy whose name is also on the coffee and uh-huh. then also and then Naeem Hines who was Naeem Hines at some points was amazing like he was just a, a brilliant uh, Naeem Hines is a guy in the stretch is very much like Naeem Hines who I just I want the Browns to look at maybe like in the fourth round area because I missed when we had Duke Johnson but I don't really miss Duke Johnson that much but like there he there's like that utility skill that they had like that having that wide receiver slash running back 
to, to kind of bolster like, oh, yeah, wait a second. This guy could do both things really well, kind of like a Randall Cobb kind of situation. But you don't want to have to pay that guy a ton of money. You want to have that guy to kind of be there as an insurance value. Um, and I think the Browns are actually reportedly met with this player as well. Um, if you want, it's Demetri Felton for everybody who wants the, the clue in for later on. Senior right. Bowl, big senior bowl guy. Okay, absolutely. We'll definitely dive into that. Last fantasy question. What round is it cool to draft a uh, quarterback? <laughs> well, considering I drafted Aaron Rodgers in a lot of leagues at like the 10th round, I don't know. I think it's still really bad to draft him before like eight or nine. Like also it's it, part of it is paying attention to your league because if everybody starts going on a quarterback run, you are going to still get value at other spots. Now, like even if you're taking, like I said, this year I got Aaron Rodgers in the 10th round. I, I think it, I don't know what happened this year that everybody thought Aaron Rodgers just died. I understood like the last couple of years, he was not like, he was still QB seven the year before though. Like I was still kind of shocked that people were so off on Rodgers. Now where Aaron Rodgers was like a top five guy. There's always that one quarterback that like, there's always a couple of quarterbacks that end up having top five to top 10 value that you take later on. Russell Wilson tends to be like sometimes slept on some years. And then all of a sudden he'll be the number one quarterback in the league. Um, this is the only years anybody ever, this is the only year in history. Anybody slept on Rogers truly. Um, I thought Wentz a couple of times was going to like, Wentz has just never gone back to the MVP level. Part of that's been because the Eagles roster basically deteriorated into dust. And then he said, screw it. If everybody else is going to play bad and bad and be injured, uh, instead of being injured this year, I'm going to play bad. So he just rotated with everybody. So quarterback, I tend to lean going late on quarterback eight, nine, 10, sometimes even 11. Like if it's, if you're, if there's not the value there, especially again, if you're playing in one quarterback leagues, everybody, that's the number one rule. Make sure that you know the league that you are playing in and the, the, the rules and the value there. This year, it's going to be pretty intriguing because I think some of the rookie guys, the, the rookie quarterbacks, especially if they play early on, if you get like a Justin Fields on a team, he's going to be running a lot. It depends on the year, though, too. It depends on how deep the draft is. It depends on your league. And like I said, if you're in a two QB league or a super flex league, totally changes the market. I still really avoid taking quarterbacks before round eight. Like, I just feel like you can always... You, you could always stitch it together a little bit. And then usually there's at least one guy by week one or two that's still on the waiver wires that you go, oh, he's performing really well. Cam Newton was on the waivers in some leagues a couple of years ago when he had his MVP season. Matt Ryan, when he had his MVP season and was in the Super Bowl. It seems like MVP players tend to be on the waiver wires in a lot of leagues some years. So I, I never take them too early. I, I always avoid that. I know people love taking Lamar Jackson and guys who can run early and they will provide value at some point, but not to that extent. All right, let's get into some Browns headlines. All did, right. Did you see? I want to start with this because this is this this player has been on a lot of people's minds. Did you see the Grant Delpit workout video? I did, and luckily I'm not a doctor because that probably would have freaked me out a little bit more because I know nothing about Achilles injuries. Um, that I I hope. I mean, I'm assuming he is a. a sticking to a regiment it makes me feel good to an extent because he's working out but we've also seen odell i think i've seen 30 odell videos where he's working out so yeah. um i delpit's injury is maybe out of the the string of star guys the guys were really hoping to see come back right the greedy williams i think greedy's is the one that was maybe the um the most nerve-wracking right he had the nerve injury None of us really knew anything about it. Then he tweets on he tweets something about it saying he has an auxiliary nerve injury. And still, really, most people who are not doctors have no idea what that means. Like, does that mean you can play or not play? 
Uh, you hear some people reporting like he might never play again. You hear some people saying, well, this is a degenerative issue that's been going on for a long time. And then he comes out about it recently, has an interview with Mary Kay Cabot. Um, <laughs> and, and it's been very, like, very public about it and saying, listen, like, you know, I, I, I think the number one thing I took from that is don't don't be too hard on the players because you don't have a you don't know what's going on in their rehab process, especially this new Browns uh, organization. Yo, they keep everything locked down. They are they keep everything sealed up. They don't want anybody to know what's going on. They are they are like, listen, we don't talk about anything. What what happens in Cleveland stays in Cleveland. It's like Vegas. Everybody don't talk about it. And then greedy one does a video about it. But I think they're okay with the players talking about it. But they don't want leaks. And uh, but with Delpit, Achilles injuries used to be like a death nail. And especially given his age. I don't think it's as worrisome anymore. Um, they've gotten better with rehabbing Achilles injuries. He's also, again, really young. Um, my worry is I just don't know what he is right now. Like It looked like he was going to be great coming out. I, I was happy they took him in the second round. He looked like a steal in the second round. Um, the workout, again, I know I have zero understanding of how the Achilles, just know it's, it's, on, it's in your leg, near, near the ankle area. Um, but I, other than that, I think I'm, I'm just happy that he – Looks like he is progressing. We saw Emmanuel Sanders come back in like record time and perform really well off an Achilles. So if if Emmanuel Sanders is doing it in his 30s and coming back, I think it's very possible Delpit comes back, especially given safety does not have to be the most athletic position. Although I would like maybe maybe to still look at some athletic safeties at some point. Uh, but I also think that like, again, part of Emmanuel Sanders coming back is he happened to have the value of he was a 30 year old veteran. He knew how to play the game. I don't know how Delpit will, will still perform going forward. So I'm excited. I want to see Delpit play. Odell's the one I feel the least worried about as far as will he come back because he's rehabbed before from tons of injuries, but that's the problem. He's had tons of injuries. I, I thought it was, it was good news to see Grant Delpit and, and as you mentioned, Greedy Williams' interview with, with Mary Kay Cabot. I thought it was interesting, the timing, you know, we, uh, pretty much, well, when that happened a little over a week before free agency, it was almost like they were telling fans, hey, look at me, I'm okay, I'm going to be ready for the season. So I just thought it was great news. And like you, I don't know too much about the Achilles tendon. I know it's below the calf and above the ankle. I was watching his feet the whole time. He looked like he had some bounce in his step. I'm encouraged. Yeah. I mean, a good thing is it happened during training camp. So he's yeah. even further out than a lot of other guys. And we've seen other guys come back. I don't know what level his explosiveness will be back. Um, some guys, uh, like with any injury, it sometimes takes more than a year to really fully come back. I, I don't, like I said, I don't know. I'm really excited. If we get two of those three to come back to, to, to some level of degree of good play, better than what we had last year at those positions. Um, that's good. That's, that's already a surplus than what we had. Um, yeah. if, if greedy plays, especially with greedy, because greedy gives you an ability to play man coverage that they just couldn't do last year. I have no idea if that's what Joe Woods' plan is to play more man coverage. I think Joe Woods, I, I know a lot of people took shots at him because he kept on playing Andrew Sandejo, which to be fair, Andrew Sandejo did not expect that he was actually going to be starting on this team. He came into this like, Oh, I get to be like a player's coach, right? I just, wait, I'm playing like how many snaps this year? I got to do real work. Like I'm supposed to be like the backup slot corner and maybe be on the field every once in a while. And then like, Oh, he's playing every game. Oh, he blew that coverage. Uh, did he, uh, it's very hard, especially because safety is also kind of like, uh, it's, 
if one guy blows their assignment and the guy's going through your zone, it's not always necessarily your fault, depending on what the coverage was. But I, I, I'm very excited to see, like I said, if Delpit comes back and has some level of burst back, he's going to be great. Odell, again, guy who, if he's coming back, if you watch the first six games of this season, you were excited for Odell. Like uh, the, no even doubt. the, even the Ravens game, which was a horrible game. If you go to NFL game pass, pull that game up and just look at Odell the whole time. You're like, Oh my God, Odell. Like you're not <laughs> getting the ball, but Odell. <laughs> like he's just open. He's just like freewheeling it. He's like, Hey, how's it going? Baker, you want to throw me the ball? No. Okay. I'll see you later. And then eventually like, Oh yeah. Like we figured out how to play. And then, but Odell's ACL, like eventually it was like, uh, you know what? We can't have all nice things, but I honestly think that was maybe the one thing I'll say about that though, is every time this team faced adversity this year, anytime I'm like, Oh shit, like we're screwed. Get miles gets, uh, gets COVID. This person gets this. Somebody stepped up like crazy. Ronnie Harrison came on as a real player. Um, we had Olivier Vernon who I, I just, that's the guy I feel horrible for. That's the guy who the Achilles oh, really is going to hurt. Yeah. Oh my God. We he was going to use him. Yeah. Oh my God. He was playing so well and he looked so good. And he was like, finally the guy who we traded for. And I was just like, that was, and that Eagles game, that Eagles game was horror. Oh my God. He was just tearing shit up. I was like, that was when he first really showed up. It was the, the, the Eagles game. And he said, he got three sacks. He made Carson Wentz. Like, I think he, he might've been the guy who maybe broke Carson Wentz. Although I'm pretty sure that was just, you know, Howie Roseman the whole time <laughs> or, uh, or Doug Peterson. Uh, who I get confused for Doug uh, with uh, Di Filippo all the time, but yes, Doug Peterson. <laughs> um, uh, I, somebody broke that guy, and, and uh, luckily, I think we're in good hands where we will not break Baker Mayfield. We got past the nearly breaking Baker Mayfield thing. We got rid of Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. John Dorsey picked them very well, but unfortunately, I, I think his roster construction moves were a little wonky. I I have mixed feelings on the Dorsey era for the two years that he was here. We were close to breaking Baker Mayfield. There's no question about it. I think Kevin Stefanski hire was just what the doctor ordered. Oh, my God. And here's the thing. So I was one of the people who was like, just be careful. Don't like so early on. I, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know how much you were on Twitter or on Facebook during that time. But there were so many people coming out to murder Baker Mayfield. They were like, oh, he sucks. He's this. And it was like the first six weeks of the season. And he had some he had some solid games against the Bengals. He had. That Colts game where the first half he looked amazing and the second half it looked like the worst version of Baker Mayfield I've ever seen in my life. And then the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers game where he walks in and he's hurt and he's injured and he's got the rib. And it was just like – and also, big thing that I – it was amazing. Jedrick Wills this year. The games that we had Jedrick Wills this year, we were amazing. The games where we did not have Jedrick Wills, we did not look so good. Um, mm. That was the, – the Steelers game was where we didn't have Jedrick Wills. And, man, it showed. It was every, and, and by the way, Michael Dunn might be a better guard than, um, than, uh, Hubbard was. So I think we found Michael Dunn and, uh, Blake Hans. I think Blake we're both gonna, those yeah. guys, I, that just finding guys off the scrap heap. Callahan's like, I knew that guy from like six years ago, bring him in. Uh, Blake Hans is going to come in and, uh, play left tackle eventually against the chiefs. Like that was some amazing stuff too. Um, I, I was astounded this year. Uh, I know we were talking initially about Delpit and those guys. I went oh, on. That's the, okay. No, this, this is, what, is this is fine. I, this is what I do. I guess on shows, and also, and I do the I do the Kevin Smith thing where they like I talk for five minutes. I have this guy as a guest, and he just talks for twenty minutes. This <laughs> goes, and he goes on tangents where he's talking about. Yeah, he's talking about the tangents, and he's talking about the tangents. It's weird. Anyway, yeah. so he, <laughs> he just, just riffs on that too. 
Um, a- but a- Adrian Claiborne. We just released him. We saved about three oh. million dollars on the cap. You know, he's on the wrong side of thirty. He only had three and a half sacks last year. What What are your thoughts on that? Good move, bad move? Where you at? So I'm happy we're talking about Adrian Claiborne because to be honest, even though he only had two, he only had a, a few sacks, like in the games that he played. Because keep in mind, he was more of a death player, right? Yeah. When we had Ov and Miles, he was like he was a rotational guy. Mm-hmm. He played really well in certain games. He got pressure a lot. Now he didn't always get the sack. And I, this is why sack production gets a little overblown. He was getting pressure. Now, here's the thing. $3 million this year is going to mean a totally different amount than it did in previous years. When they signed into that contract and they were like $3 million, they thought $210 million next year. That's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. Now, $3 million is a lot. That could probably be like a big bank player or contribute to getting a big bank player. For instance, if you like other defensive ends in this uh in this class we'll, won't spoil of it. We'll eventually be talking about some other players that might be pieces, but I think Claiborne played really well. The Bengals game, he showed up uh, very well. He showed up in a lot of games. If you remember the playoff game, he was getting pressure really well. I, I mean, first of all, everybody was uh, the, the, that Steelers, that Steelers playoff game. I mean, how happy were you when you were watching? Gosh. Oh, uh, cloud nine, bro. Cloud nine. First snap of the game. And then like my girlfriend's just sitting there going like, what's going on? Oh my God. What are you doing? Why are you so happy? I'm like, I'm watching like, what's going on. This can't happen. It's amazing. And then like the whole time, every Browns fan is just going, this is just come on, hold the lead, hold the lead. And then like, it looked like they were going to come back. And then all of a sudden, uh, AVP, the MVP, I think of the play callers of this year, like that, the one game he calls plays, he goes, you know what? Hit the gas. And all of a sudden they start running play action and they score more. They throw a screen to Nick Chubb. He gets a touchdown. That guy gets Taki Taki. How many times did you say Taki Taki after that game? Cause I said it a ton. I was Dude. screaming, say on Taki Taki, just because I- his name's amazing to say too. <laughs> I had a stupid grin on my face for about two weeks after that game, man. It was awesome. I didn't even say hello to people anymore. I just said, talky, 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 talky. It was great. I loved it. Say on talky, talky. I was yelling. My girlfriend, who is this guy? And why are you yelling his name? And why does it sound so dirty? It sounds like a snack food. It was great. I love that game. It, Red Wine. Red Wine had a pick in that game, too, if I remember correctly. Man, it was a MJ Stewart. Red MJ Wine, Stewart every, had a pick, MJ, yep. MJ Stewart. Uh, Gustin got a pick, too. Gustin's been a very solid backup piece. That's probably also why they said, you know what? Fine. We have Gustin. We think we might have a guy in Curtis Weaver who we kind of plucked off waivers um, preseason. And you know what? Like, again, $3 million is going to go a long way. It might lead to signing maybe a Romeo Quora a uh, Carl Lawson, a Trey uh, Hendrickson, or signing a corner, like one of the many corners that are going to be, that we'll also probably talk about as well, like Troy Hill and William Jackson III. There's so many guys that you could probably get with $3 million. There's going to be guys taking one-year deals, and there's going to be guys of high quality taking one-year deals. I think I remember earlier I read an article uh, a couple weeks ago that if the cap was at 175 last year, Nadama Kongsu, who signed a contract last year, a one-year contract for like seven or eight million, his deal last year with the the Buccaneers would have probably been about three million. So I think that listen, I love Claiborne. I think he's really good, but I think they think they are in on something better and they need to get something better. They need something. Claiborne is a solid third rusher. He is not the guy you want out there for 90% of snaps. Um, I think he would have been gone if they were trying to keep Olivier Vernon. And I think he's gone because they, they clearly have, I mean, the edge rushing class in free agency this year is going to be interesting. You have a lot of guys who are out there, Shaq Barrett, Yannick Ngakwe, Romeo Quora, Carl Lawson, Trey Hendrickson. 
And then the guys who I don't care much about who are formerly on teams currently in our division, um, Matt Judon and Bud Dupree. I don't know if you love those guys. I just, I, I think they have a lot of steamed pressure. They benefit from being part of an, a defense that gets a little bit of, gets a little bit more push from, uh, for instance, Judon, they do a lot of stunts. They have a lot of man coverage. He benefits from a very good defense that he is the, hey, we're going to go ahead and get you, you know, a, a schemed matchup. We're going to get you freed up a little bit. And again, all our guys are playing man coverage. So they're going to be the, whoever's the quarterback's going to have to wait a little bit. That That's hurt the, the Ravens a little bit though. We saw like this year, we saw Pat Mahomes just decimate the Ravens because you can't play man coverage that much against really athletic receivers. Like I said before, Odell was getting wide open in that first Ravens game. Um, Bud Dupree, another guy, also he's coming off an ACL. Uh, he coming off the ACL. Also, he was like the fourth, or fifth best rusher on the Pittsburgh defense um, between Watt, Hayward, Tewitt. Um, well, Tewitt's more of the run guy, but also Alu-Alu. Tyson, if we're stealing a guy from the Steelers, let's get Alu-Alu on here. <laughs> there you go. I mean, he's in his, like, mid-30s. He's like, I think he's actually, like, I think he was going to be, like, a mortgage broker at one point. He's like, you know what? The Steelers called. All right, let's go do it. I can still <laughs> do this thing. I, I, I checked his age, and I'm like, how did this guy get so old and he gets so good at, like, 33, 34? Like, what was he doing in the, like, the mid-years? Was he just like, you know, I'm just here. How's it going? And then, like, went to the Steelers. Like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to play football this year. And then played amazing. at Like, that's a guy who, like, if you're going to poach, like, he's a free agent as well. He'll come a lot cheaper. Um, I, I don't know what Dupree and Judon's markets are. Um, I'm just saying, my, my favorites, I, I like Lawson a little bit in that, that market range. Because, again, he's coming. Uh, yes, another guy we played against quite a bit with the, the Browns. But he he gets pressure like crazy. He's just he's I mean I he's probably the number one. The only issue I have with Lawson though, injury concern, and that might mean that he's taking a discount to whatever deal he's going to do. But injury injury was a concern why he fell to the fourth round in the draft. So if you're worried about a guy never being there on the field, it, it makes me think they have maybe if they're going to sign him, maybe they sign a Quora too if they can get a Quora on a good deal. And Aquara might be a, like a little bit of a sleeper guy. Maybe he's not because he got 10 sacks this year, but he also was on the Lions. So I don't know how many people were paying attention to the Lions and their defense. I'm sure teams were, but I, I, I digress. I, I think there's going to be, because we're losing Adrian Claiborne, it's going to allow us to go after uh, potentially a, a major free agent signing. And like I said, I, I like Claiborne. I, I thought he was a great addition last year. I just think that the money, Money was just too much at this point. Three million is is bank. Although the weird thing is, the veteran minimum is going to be higher too because of the new CBA. So that's if you're get, even getting three guys for vet minimums, that's three million dollars. That's that's quite a lot of money, even still, in this economy. Let's let's talk about a uh, a lot of money that was just Dak Prescott. He just signed a huge deal with the Dallas Cowboys. Four years, one hundred sixty million dollars, sixty six million dollar signing bonus uh Woo. bonus uh you know the signing bonus with his new salary he's gonna make about 75 million dollars in 2021 what did you think Megan. about that deal man I, I'm, I'm happy for Dak Prescott I really am I mean they screwed themselves they shot themselves in the foot and we're gonna talk we'll probably have to talk a little bit about the Wentz and golf situations up to this point but they shot themselves in the foot. They didn't extend Dak Prescott two years ago when they had the chance, when he was on the last year of his deal, they could have extended him last year when he was on the franchise tag. They got to a point where it was, listen, he's going to get everything he wants. He got the no trade clause. He got the no franchise tag clause. By the way, 
he he even made them uh, actually activate the franchise tag on him for this contract because if he say leaves at thirty one thirty two because again that was the other part he got it he has a short deal he will be yeah four his years next, yeah he will be done by the time he's thirty one he can go back on the open market so he he now has the ability to go back out there they can't tag him so he's got so he built in so much more leverage here. It's insane. We don't see this very often. We saw it one other time, Kirk Cousins, and look what happened. Washington lost him, and they didn't have a quarterback for – I mean, they, they didn't have a quarterback before him either. Like, <laughs> Washington's handled some things kind of badly, um, and, and they could have had Kirk Cousins at a cheap deal. Then Kirk Cousins gets to walk, and he sets the market. He, he gets all these uh, three years fully guaranteed. Granted, if you're a quarterback, it's all guaranteed anyway. They're not cutting you. Like, unless you are totally horrible – they, you will find ways to make sure that you were still on the roster, um, signing bonus, uh, injury guarantees, prorated guarantees, guarantees that go into effect when you're on the, you know, on the roster in the year prior. This is what's going on with Tannehill's contract. It's what's gone went on with pretty much every, you know, every contract now has that weird clause where it's like if you're on the roster in 2022, your 2023 uh, contract is going to be guaranteed. Not every contract has this, but especially the quarterbacks. That, that's everybody's that, – that's like the new thing is you're sticking that in there because you know you're going to get that next year somewhat guaranteed or you'll have injury – like they move beyond just the injury guarantees. Dak Prescott, man, I'm happy for him. I think there's, there's one question. Do you have a top 10 to 12 quarterback or do you not? And if you do, you, you sign them to an extension as soon as they become eligible because you are going to save money down the line. You saw this before. If they, uh, if they had done it two years ago, they would have saved probably what, like almost maybe 10 million at this point. That's a whole player. If it had been even, you know, like maybe even 12, depending on, you know, if they had done it before golf. So um, now at the time you might be questioning whether or not they, they fully evaluated him and they thought, well, you know, is he better than golf? Golf signed a big deal. Um, now the reverse end of it, right. The, the Jared golf Carson Wentz situation, everybody's kind of been throwing this as well. Cause we're probably going to talk about Baker Mayfield's contract potential extension. Um, with those guys, they, they ended up not panning out, but had they panned out, their team would have made, would have been in a good situation salary cap wise, at least from the quarterback position, as far as cap money allocated to the quarterback. Um, they didn't work out with Carson Wentz. We saw it not work out. They took a $30 million dead cap hit. They also got a first round pick next year, almost guaranteed going to be a first round pick because unless Carson Wentz plays less than 70% of snaps, he, he there, it's going to be a first round pick which he's only not played 70% one year. I think it was 69% that year. So they're going to, Eagles are getting a first round pick and a third round pick for Carson Wentz. And yes, the, the Rams are getting, uh, the Rams had to give away two first round picks to get out of Jared Goff, but they also got Matt Stafford. And there's literally only one question. Do you have a top 10 quarterback is going to take you all the way or do you not? You know, it's, it's, it's the, and again, the worst case scenario is, if you sign them to the extension and they're not the guy, they're not the guy, you're going to get hit with that dead cap money and maybe have to uh, figure things out. But at the end of the day, you don't have a quarterback either way. <laughs> right. You don't have a top 10 quarterback. You don't have a top 10 quarterback. You're screwed anyway. You're back in rebuild mode no matter what. You're off doing what the Detroit Lions are doing, selling assets, going ahead and being like, here, take this one. Take that one. Kenny Galladay, see you later, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's all going to be – that's, that's what the game is. It's either you have a top 10 quarterback, and I think Baker Mayfield – I think they should extend him. I, I think he has that. I, I remember watching the playoffs and seeing the, the throws he was making to the receivers that were tightly covered that were like, again, like it, it was weird because 
it was not weird. It was amazing to watch because Baker Mayfield went from the first six weeks of the season where people were saying like, oh, he's done. You know, maybe they should look into drafting a new quarterback. I saw people who cover this team say that. People who are fans of this team say that. I'm like, this is nuts. And I think back, I go last year, I go, okay, they, it was after the Steelers game. And I think back to the Steelers game last year. I'm like, you beat that same defense last year. Like with Greg Robinson and Kendall Lamb at tackle. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm like, wait a second, what the heck happened? And it's clearly like, listen, this is a this was a complicated uh, offense that they're running, right? It's the Kyle Shanahan play action offense. Kirk Cousins took some time to learn it when he when uh, Stefanski put it in 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 Minnesota. We saw him pop at the end of the year. It happened with Matt Ryan when they went down to Atlanta, right? It took Matt Ryan some time to learn that offense and really get in the zone with it. And his first year, he threw a bunch of picks. He, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Matt Ryan don't look so good. Next year, he has the MVP season. Aaron Rodgers, right? Now, I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's Aaron Rodgers, but you look at this year, right? Second year in the LaFleur offense, similar offense. Last year, everybody's like going like, you know, they just run the ball all the time. Do they really even need Aaron Rodgers? Maybe they should draft a quarterback in the first round. Oh, my God, they did that. I was just joking. <laughs> I still can't believe they did that. I still That's a whole other weird thing. My God, what are the what are the Packers going to do this year? They're just like, well, we have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let's find new ways to just kind of mess with stuff. Oh, uh, we'll draft. Uh, we'll draft two running backs, first and second round. All yeah, let's do that. Team. That's a good idea. Good for us, like because that'll allow drop some real value in this this draft. I think it's gonna this is gonna be a fun draft for the Browns. I'm so excited for it. Like this is this. It feels like the last few years, everything falls like perfectly like what the Browns need. Right, 2018. What do we need? We need a quarterback. Well. In walks Baker Mayfield, stunning as he is. By the way, in March, nobody thought Baker Mayfield was going to be the number one overall pick. He was plus 4,000. Imagine if you got in on that bet. Plus 4,000 to be the number one overall pick. Ends up going to the Cleveland Browns, number one overall, and ends up being, like, honestly, as far as it goes right now, he's still the best thrower of the bunch. He's not – Lamar Jackson, I honestly thought Lamar Jackson got a bum rap that year where people were like, oh, he should convert to wide receiver. It's like, well, why aren't they talking about Josh Allen converting to tight end? Like – but then Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen, the first two years did not look good. It's also kind of like when people start making their judgments on people, he's got to look at it like, okay, like what's affecting these things? Josh Allen took a couple of years to learn it. He, he ended up becoming really good. Uh, Lamar Jackson, again, like his athleticism, I think people were really underrating that. I think he tried to downplay it a little bit. He ends up going to the right team. They have Greg Roman on their, their staff. They adapt an offense that works for for Lamar Jackson and we have Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield has played in actually at this point more variety of offenses than most quarterbacks do at this stage in their career because he's had three different offensive coordinators like he had Todd Haley who we're going to run all ISO routes uh, ISO routes we're all going to go ahead and uh, maybe we'll do a couple of bunch formations but like we're going to be very bland everybody's got a clear man coverage on their own we're not going to scheme anything open play action what's that there's a reason why Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger got along really <laughs> didn't get along very well, but Ben Roethlisberger loved that offense was because they didn't run play action. They ran a bunch of trip formations and that's about it uh, with Tom. And then he goes to Freddie kitchens, who was a fine offensive coordinator for a little bit for the, the, the six weeks he was offensive coordinator. Um, then they hired Todd Munkin, him and Freddie kitchens, apparently uh, I guess like the same girl in high school. I don't know. They just don't get, they did not get along. Freddie Kitchens did not know how to manage a team. He was never developed to manage a team. And then we get Stefanski, who runs a play-action outside zone. But by the way, we're hiring Bill Callahan, the best offensive line coach in the NFL, bar none, and he's going to help develop our offensive line. We're going to invest resources. We're going to run the ball, play-action it. We're going to run a little bit of gap 
as well. We're going to run a little bit of power. We're going to go ahead and throw uh, some, you know, even when we do play action. The one thing we need, we need speed, though. I think we need to get a little bit more speedy on the offense. It's the one thing I, I think they need to pay attention to. Let's reel it back a little bit to uh, to put a bow on the Dak Prescott. How do you think this affects Baker Mayfield and his contract? So the amount is questioned. Like I, I do question maybe the amount is the the forty million. Is that is it really going to be forty million? If if Baker gets the same exact contract, I don't. I'm not pouting about it because to be honest, Baker Mayfield's forty million doesn't come on doesn't come now. It comes three years from now. So. You could even bonus it out a little bit so you're eating some of that out a little bit differently so he's not really a true $40 million hit. I think you might even be able to get Baker Mayfield to agree to less than that because he has not had the seasons that Dak Prescott had. Because you are negotiating with him in his rookie contract window, he's going to be making somewhere around $10 million this year, $18 million next year on the, the fifth-year option. Because you have those two years of control, you're in the best position right now to negotiate with him and get him signed. His extension will probably be around the same as Dax, but you can maybe make the argument, well, again, by the time he's getting that $40 million as far as Dak is getting it, Dak's getting his money right now. He's making his $40 million today. It might not be on the roster like that. Like They might have made the, they might have made the numbers look different, but his APY is still going to be $40 million a year. If you did it with Baker Mayfield, you did that same contract, but you did an extension, his APY for the next six years would not be $40 million a year. It would be less than that. I, doing Now we're asking a little bit more math out of me. Um, but it would probably be like in the $30, $35 million range because it's an extension. So I think, it, I think, A, you could probably get more years on a Baker Mayfield contract because, again, you have two more years on this contract. So you could probably get a five-year version of, that, of the Dak Prescott deal. You probably don't have to even worry about a no-trade clause or a franchise tag clause because, again, he doesn't have the leverage. I think you're probably looking still in that 40 million range. I'd be curious to see if Baker Mayfield, though, because we don't have a, a Pro Bowl year, we don't have an All Pro year. We all know he's good. He knows he's good. But how how much of it does it really make a difference to him? Especially if he's sitting in the back of his head, it's like you know what, I like Rashard Higgins. I want Higgins here. You know what? If you guys give Rashard Higgins an extension, we'll see if they, he does that. But imagine if he does. It's like you give Rashard Higgins an extension. I'll give you guys a little bit of a discount slight discount, whatever, do the, the, the Tom Brady thing. I'm not saying he should do that, but it would be interesting to see if he does something like that um, because it does sound like a Baker Mayfield kind of thing. Um, he just seems to be that guy. He's very much like that, that mindset where I'll take a hit for the team if I get my guys in, if I get my buddies. Uh, he was the guy who convinced Rashard Higgins to stay and take a league minimum uh, contract. He was, the, But he's also the guy who made Rashard Higgins kind of pop the last couple of years. So... And I'm sure we'll talk about Richard Higgins in a little bit, but I, I think that was, I think it'll affect his contract. I think it's going to be a little bit more. I, I don't know to what extent it will be. Maybe his is 42 a year. I think the number one thing is get it done, get it done, get it done quickly. Because say, like I said before, if you're wrong about Baker Mayfield, it doesn't matter. You don't have a quarterback anymore. It's not going to work out. Or you find a way you do what the Rams did. Cause the Rams didn't have no quarterback. They just had Jared Goff slightly better than no quarterback, which the Detroit Lions will find out next year. But yeah, it, it's, it's tricky, you know? Okay. So this is his fourth year. Yeah. Let's say they, they, they tag him. He plays the, or the fifth year option. So he plays on the fifth year option. So, it, I mean, if he strings together two good years in a row, he's going to be 40 million plus, uh, you or know, more. on that long-term contract. I, I, I see him and Dak Prescott. I see them as kind of comparable. 
you know, I mean, Dak Prescott's been in the league a little more, but you give Baker two more years. He, I think he's going to be the Dak Prescott range as far as ability. Oh, yeah. Well, think about it. Dak Prescott's done his best when he's had a good offensive line and good talent around. Right. Him. I think Baker I actually think Baker might be better than Dak. I don't know right now. But like if you're looking one for one, but Baker's at an earlier stage in his career, like you're saying. But also when you look at like the when you look at what Baker can be, Baker's very accurate, more accurate than most other quarterbacks. He's like it was weird because his accuracy went away. And then at some point he he developed it back somewhere halfway through the season. And he's throwing balls through keyholes that you couldn't even imagine. It was that it was that Bengals game, that Bengals game where Odell went down and just like the Super Saiyan went on in the back of his head. It's like, okay, it's on. And he starts he throws that ball to DPJ. Just like, oh my God, that that winner also. <laughs> Both Bengals games this year was crazy. And he just looked so good in them. But not only that, but then he did it. He did it. He showed up really well in the Ravens game, the Titans game. Um, those are the things that's telling me that, oh, by the way, Baker Mayfield. I would definitely be looking to extend this guy as soon as possible and try to get as much money off that contract as possible. Um, I think, like you're saying, he's comparable to Dak Prescott. If you have a top 10 QB, you want the top 10 QB. He might have the ability. He, I definitely think he has a better arm than Dak, to be honest. He's got Baker he's Mayfield's, cannon. Yeah. Baker Mayfield's arm. Everybody goes, oh, he's like 6'1". He doesn't have an arm. It's like, you can't be strong in 6'1". What? Like, we've also seen guys who are like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, who can't throw the ball. Remember Brock Osweiler. I remember him out. Oh, the only guy to ever make uh, DeAndre Hopkins not look good. Brock <laughs> Osweiler. <laughs> Somehow, you throw a ball so inaccurate, even DeAndre Hopkins couldn't jump up and get it. Like, literally, every, he had Brian, this guy who had Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett as quarterbacks, and he was, doesn't matter, dominating. He, he, and then all of a sudden, Brock Osweiler walks in and is like, I can now throw you. Don't worry. It's like, that's not the point. You're supposed to throw at the receiver. So with Baker Mayfield, I, he's got a cannon. He's very accurate. We're only just starting to see the, the opening moments, I think, um, if they get some legit speed, if they get Odell back. Because especially, I think the whole – there's a silver lining around Odell's ACL, right, is we saw Baker Mayfield go to the playoffs with this team without Odell. I think Odell and Baker are on the same, play, on the same level at this point. They're going to be like, you know what? That's a playoff QB. That's my QB. I'm on. Like last year uh, – the thing with Odell and Baker previous to last year, mentality wise, was Odell was the star receiver. He goes to this team and he doesn't perform well. Now, part of it was the injury. He was injured in 2019. They kind of kept that under wraps, but there was clearly something wrong. He was not getting separation. Um, he was also dropping a few balls. And also, like we've said before, something was going on with that offensive coordinating room and the head coach where they had no clue what they were doing. And they were, they were calling plays that weren't even in the playbook for that week. And everybody's like, well, where do I run this ball? So I, I think next year you're going to end up getting this kind of this synergy where it's like, you know what? That's my guy. They got to the playoffs without me. I'm here to go ahead and help get it to the next level. So um, where were we? <laughs> I go on. I'm sorry with the no, tangents. We, we, we were on Bacon, Baker Mayfield. Bacon Mayfield. Bacon Mayfield. Uh, Baker Mayfield. I, I think what Kevin Stefanski did with, with Baker, because before Kevin Stefanski – I think he, he, his men, mentality, his mental – I think it was just scrambled, man. He's scatterbrained. He was hurrying his throws. He was um, just trying to get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. Our offensive line wasn't good. But I think what Kevin Stefanski brought was stability. And, and he, he made Baker relax and just said, look, you're a good quarterback. I'm going to put you in a good position to win. I'm going to protect you. 
Um, and I think that that's what, that's what we're seeing with Baker. He's really matured in this offense. And I really believe he's going to be our quarterback for a long time. Oh yeah. And well, and think about it. The thing that people underrate are the off script throws from Baker Mayfield, the, yeah. the Kareem hunt in the middle of the air, catching the ball, by the way, <laughs> love Kareem. By that's amazing. How did Kareem, first off, how did Kareem hunt get that high? I'm very confused now, but he's flying. He's like floating and Baker Mayfield sees him and he throws the ball. And it's like, this is a scramble drill. The, the off script off platform throws from Baker Mayfield. And then the running, the Maserati play, where they're like, oh, we're going to go ahead and do a sweep with, with Baker Mayfield. The, oh, wait, I'm going to take like six yards because I can get it right here. He, like the, He's starting to see the field better. And this is one year in an offense. It took some of these guys two to three years in an offense to figure it out. He now has this offense down pat. They're going to work on it in the offseason. They're going to tweak it up. They're going to get some more guys. They're all going to be like, you know what? We're now in year two. Start throwing some more crazy shit, right? All right. By the way, Baker Mayfield, his, I looked at uh, his PFF stat on this. His receiving grade was 90.8. Because of that Jarvis Landry throw to him, <laughs> where he lays out, it's like the one throw, and he's just like it was perfect. He toe taps it in. Ah, well, if Baker doesn't work out as a quarterback. At least we got our top ten receiver, right? Like he's the highest ranked uh, receiver on four. So well, what's I, the, what, what's Jarvis uh, Landry's passer rating? It's got to be up there, right? It's got. I, he's got to be at least. Well, he's definitely probably the best left-handed quarterback in the NFL right now. So. <laughs> There's only one other one, and his name uh, happens to be Tua Tagovailoa, and he has not been as great as as Jarvis Landry. But that's a hard bar to beat because Jarvis Landry has been really good as a quarterback. Can't wait to see him. I want to see him as the emergency QB on on some game. Like, yeah, you know what, Case, we're gonna take you. Out. Yo, Jarvis, you're gonna play the whole game as quarterback. Wait, why? Why? Oh, we don't want to play anybody anymore. It's just gonna be you. I'm making way too much money for this shit. <laughs> Which is hey. the exact opposite of Terrell Pryor. Where Terrell Pryor was like. I'm making. I'm not making enough money to be the quarterback. Why am I here? That was actually supposedly a story with Terrell Pryor when he was a, a wide receiver on the Browns, where like, where he was a Hugh Jack. Hugh Jackson's like, we're gonna put you in a quarterback. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting paid enough to be a quarterback here. Yes, he was the hell of a quarterback in high school. I listen. I and we we found ways of utilizing him. That was that was the weird thing. That's why I did defend Hugh Jackson for a little bit. We're, I know we're well, way to bring back the little really big dark ages. Was yeah. that first year with Hugh Jackson? They were manufacturing offense really well for guys. Like they had like RG three played like a game or two here and actually won them a game against the Chargers. And then it was like the they were Terrell Pryor was running the ball and being called crazy. And then like you know you had Cody Kessler. They had that year they had like six different quarterbacks just for that one year. So I don't know. Like, and then the next year they had Kaiser and like, apparently they were like, you know what? We're going to run a really bland offense and make everybody look bad. I don't know what happened, but that, that team took such a dive at that point. And then, but it led to the Baker Mayfield uh, that, and that, that is uh, Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward, by the way, that's a guy who we also have to talk about as far as extensions go. Cause I think his fifth year option is going to be 13 million. That's a guy who you want to get ahead of that, that contract Berg, because he, when he's on the field, Denzel Ward, that secondary plays different. Like you can have a bunch of Jags and just Denzel Ward if he's healthy. They were able to scheme stuff up like that. But without Denzel Ward, when he, you know, like that, that team looked really bad. They, they got they got by in some games, but it's Denzel Ward is one of the top three players on the defense. Baker Mayfield, I like we were saying before, I think he's the the, the future. We're just, I think we're just cracking the seams of it. Like you said before, Stefanski, I think, brought something there: the stability, the coaching. The, the scheme, the, we have a thing that we're going to, it's, we, we are, we're going to marry the run with the pass. If you have an identity, that's everything. 
that is everything in the NFL. Marrying the run to the pass is the identity of the Browns. We're going to go ahead. We saw with uh, the, the other the, the other tree that has an identity. There's really only two uh, two things I've seen so far recently as far as identities go. There's the the play action um, outside zone identity of the Shanahan tree. And then there's the RPO identity of the Andy Reid tree, where we're running a lot of college concepts. We're going to run a little bit more gap power than typically the Shanahan tree does. Although everybody in the Shanahan scheme is now adding gap power and and pulling and doing everything they can do to go ahead and just make the 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 team look just change up the the offense to to it's like expect the unexpected it's like that weird show. you ever watch that show big brother i've never like i, I love I, it I, I watch it every summer I, my friends love that show and they always say expect the unexpected that's the trick with running an offense you need to expect the unexpected you need to throw things in there that's why the one thing i wanted to see i remember kitchens did this one one game where you had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the game at the same time, and it confused every defense. It was like, oh, my God, this is amazing, because Kareem Hunt can block. And we saw it when they ran the Maserati play, where they won that, that last game of the season, and they, they got into the playoffs. So I, I, I'm very excited. I think that the, with, with Stefanski, with the identity that he's putting in, and the coaching staff, Bill Callahan, like it's a good thing that, that Stefanski got hired a year later because they got Bill Callahan out of that. And that changed what a hire everything. that was. What a hire. Oh my God. With Bill Callahan. And then like what Jedrick Wills did this year, like I said before, when Jedrick Wills is on, if you look up the, the games for Jedrick Wills play, not Jedrick Wills, um, Wyatt Teller. I keep saying Jedrick. Oh my God. Maybe this is why you're, you probably think I'm a crazy person. Wyatt Teller, our best offensive lineman. I don't know why I keep saying Jedrick Wills. Wyatt Teller, whenever he played in that game, our right guard, the all pro right guard. If you look at the splits from him playing Wyatt Teller, to when he's not, to when they don't have him, it's a totally different game. The Steelers game, where they like Baker Mayfield got blasted half the time. When Wyatt Teller comes, because Wyatt Teller has that like bouncer, I'm gonna beat you up. Yeah, what was it uh, the the playoff game where they have the mic'd up? And you're hearing Wyatt Teller going, uh-huh. "Same old Browns, the <laughs> same old Browns, dude." I was stoked every time, <laughs> every time. It's just like, oh, we're doing it. That's what I love. I, I love Wyatt Teller, man. He, he is. I, that's the guy they got it. I keep saying Jedrick Wills. I mean Wyatt Teller every time for some reason today. Anyway, don't know why I'm getting my both. both play that, guy, right that guy's a beast, though, man. Wyatt Teller is. Wyatt the Teller man. was golden, man. There's a guy in this draft, by the way. Reminds me of Wyatt Teller, and really? he might might fall because of injury. But man, if he falls to the right spot, I don't know if the Browns would take him. But I, I really hope they I, because they're going to eventually lose Treader or Batonio because. They're getting older. They're getting up in the years. They they do probably need to find a replacement at and one of those spots. Right? They're expensive. We can't, Batonio, we can't afford an offensive line like we're we have right now forever. <laughs> yeah, like Treaders. I think Treaders got two more years left. Petonio's got a few more, but none of them guaranteed. He's hitting ten million a year. I would probably keep Petonio and look to move on from Treader at some point, just because. But you have to find the right center. Nick Harris, fine backup. I don't want Nick Harris as a starting center. I don't want – I want somebody a little bit better because – but I like Treader for right now. treader has been amazing. Last year he was amazing. And he and he didn't practice the whole summer. Like that was the amazing thing. He comes in week one and he's he's been a really good pass blocking center. Man, he was a great run blocker too. Like this team looked beautiful. Again, like having Callahan – I don't know if it's just Callahan. They had a lot of talent too. But 
Wyatt Taylor coming along and, and showing up and, and being literally, I think, the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Conklin was amazing. That was an amazing signing. And the trick to – this is the thing that's going to put the Browns differently than everybody else. The way they are doing their contract structures and the guaranteed money that they're willing to put into contracts, it's allowing guys to take a little bit of a discount. Like uh, Jack Conklin's contract, it's, mostly, it's almost entirely guaranteed. But it's three years. It's why it's a little bit of a discount compared to everybody else. Now, again, it puts you in the situation where he's going to renegotiate in two more years or you let him walk and you find a replacement, which they might do. And you know what I like about it is they have the cheap rookie on one side and they have the expensive vet on the other side. And, you know, when, when we have to pay Jedrick Wills, it's going to flip-flop. We get the cheap rookie on one side and then pay Jedrick Wills on the other side. So I like how they did that. And by the way, since I kept on mentioning his name before when I met Wyatt Teller, he's actually played pretty well this year. The, the yeah, pass blocking was sure. amazing. The run blocking probably probably because he's getting used to being on the other side. He, you know, like a lot of the the PFF things are probably uh, the the PFF grades are probably not as high on him. But his pass blocking was really good. And there were some plays where they they ran like tackle. Like they had they had him as a pulling tackle. And, and I remember that Bengals game. That's, that, that first Bengals game was amazing. It's just beautiful to watch. And he just like steps through like next to tell oh, next to Teller and goes through and makes a huge block out of nowhere. And just, oh, it's beautiful. This offensive line is beautiful. Um, if they can keep it together for, you know, another two years. Great. I'm happy with that. Keep it together. Find some replacement guys for a little bit down the line. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited. That offensive line is the identity of this offense. I think they have to find an identity on defense. Let's move into some free agent targets. According to Pete Smith on Twitter, I just read this before we went on air. We have about 24 million in cap space. Now, Mary Kay Cabot says it's about 25. It's it's right in there. 25 million in cap space, let's just say. The league has set the cap to $182.5 million. Um, every team has to be cap compliant by March 17th. What, what do you think? I mean, who are some guys that we're going to target? Obviously, defensive end, safety, cornerback, linebacker. Those are the positions that we're, we're really needing to, to fill in either free agency or the draft. But what are some of the guys that you're looking at in free agency? All right. So I've mentioned some names before with Carl Lawson and Trey Hendrickson and Aquara. But before we even get into that, so the, the, the 26 million we have is all rollover. It's not, none of it is, um, and, and none of it is like pure cap space. So it's all money we saved up. So it's like our savings account for the rainy day. And fortunately, it gives us a little bit of space. That's probably why they also released Claiborne is to give us a little bit more space. They can restructure some contracts to get a little bit more space. They don't have to do that tomorrow either because they have that extra space right now. So a couple of guys who I think they'll go after. Uh, Carl Lawson, I've mentioned multiple times. He's been on the Bengals. He's got a little bit of injury history. Um, but he's been consistently getting pressure. He's but young. He's, really, he's young. That's the thing. The guys who I, I want to go after are young. They, they, they've played. They, they've either gone have some level of consistency. Romeo Cora uh, at defensive end played for the Lions. This was really his best year. But he played really well for the whole year against a lot of tough competition. Like the tackles he went up against were much harder tackles to beat than the ones that Carl Lawson went up against. Carl Lawson. Granted, was beating up Villanueva, but I mean, we've started to see Villanueva get beat up by Miles Garrett. It's been like eating Villanueva's lunch for like the last three years now. He's just like he like Villanueva gets us like we're playing the Browns. God damn it again! <laughs> they always put me up against that Miles guy. It's like the one guy. He's like, and he's actually a solid left tackle like Villanueva. But when it comes to Miles Garrett and Carl Lawson, 
Don't matter. Oh, also, Adrian Claiborne beat him up, too. So, uh, honestly, at this point, Villanueva is kind of hitting the downtrend of his career. I, I'm loving this. Uh, but, again, so I, I think Carl Lawson would be a great pickup. I mentioned the injury risk before, the four, you know, why he slipped to the fourth round. Quora. Trey Hendrickson's probably, like, a little bit further down the list. Part of it is his money, right? Like, you want a guy who's going to be feasible, decent money, because I also think they're going to go for somebody in the draft. They don't want to spend all their egos on 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 defensive end or corner. I think there's some – it depends on what they want to do. I think they're going to be malleable, though. I think they will be like, you know what? And I think they have an idea. Like, right now, I think when they heard Shaq Barrett uh, didn't get the tag and he's going to be a free agent potentially – and uh, Leonard Williams did get the tag. Uh, but there's other guys that are going to be out there. They looked at it, and Carl Lawson's going to be a free agent, and Aquara's going to be a free agent. They went, you know what? There's a lot of edge rushers out there. We're not going to necessarily get the best one, but we're going to get at least one and maybe a backup. For instance, Dietrich Wise is going to be a cheap, cheap option, uh, formerly of the, the Patriots. That's an, a guy who might be out there who has played solid, has been more of a pass rusher, been a little bit more on the interior for the Patriots, but maybe could play end for the Browns and maybe kick in on some downs. So he might be an option for them. Uh, again, going back up a little bit on the price scheme, I already talked about uh, Aquora. I think Aquora is maybe the second one that I like the most because he showed a lot of consistency. Like throughout the year, this year, now it's only been one year, but if you're seeing it consistently throughout the year, that's really good. Um, I like Shaq Barrett. I've been a fan of Shaq Barrett since he was in Denver. But I don't think they will go after Shaq Barrett. I think he's just gonna he's gonna take the top money for defensive end. They I heard he wants to stay in Tampa Bay, is what I heard today. I... That's probably true too. They will probably extend him, find a way to keep him, find a way to play with the money. Like we're all gonna play with the money this year. We're all gonna go ahead and push money out into the future deals and do a little bit of a signing bonus thing. So I think he might stay in Tampa, but at least that's kind of pushing that out there. Like people are now like, okay, there's still another guy out there. He's going to be negotiating with people. Maybe he gets signed by the 17th. Um, once he's gotten to see what his market really will be in free agency. Yannick Ngakwe, they were really in on this year. They wanted to trade for him before, supposedly. These are rumors. I, I don't know if I should be fully condoning rumors, but I heard the rumors were actually from like people who report on the team. So not like, oh, random Twitter account. 1.3 so <laughs> yeah bob 0101675 says <laughs> nfl rumors but spelled with two u's weird yeah. <laughs> all right i mean i mean do you do you think that they go for a top tier edge rusher like an inglockwe uh you know sign him to a one or two year deal or do you think they go for a middle of the road guy uh at, at that and then draft a defensive end what, what how do you think the browns attack that position because i do think that's one position you know that we need to really focus on especially with claiborne that that was uh some uh, move that caught a lot of people by surprise i think they will so i i think they're like i said before they'll be malleable if yannick and gakwa is willing to take a one-year deal and it's going to be seven million dollars or something Maybe I do look at that. I don't know if like uh, some of the guys who I don't really care about, like I not overly eager to sign um uh the former Texan, Jadavian Clowney. I I a, I think he's probably re-signing with the Titans. That's why they released Malcolm Butler. Um I think they're gonna find ways to make some deals over in Tennessee country. So I think they're gonna try and keep him on. Uh Yannick Ngakwe, I think is the 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 high end guy they would go after. And if I they, think he's the tip the tip of the top, isn't he? Right at that position. I mean, outside of Shaq Barrett, maybe. I know some right. people might have 
like I was saying before, some people might like Dupree or Judon each have their own kind of question marks, even outside of personal analysis. Judon's 29, but Dupree's coming off an ACL. Um, I, I think even if they sign Yannick, that doesn't prevent them from drafting somebody in this draft. It's a very deep edge rushing class with not a really like a whole bunch of top guys. It's a very like middle class, a lot of intriguing talent kind of dudes. Like uh, Aziz Ojalar is my favorite dude in this draft class. He's kind of actually Yannick Ngakwe 2.0. He's literally just coming out and being Yannick Ngakwe. So you kind of already have a blueprint for how this guy works. The Browns were already interested in a similar guy. Maybe they go for him. Um, that's not necessarily the only guy who they can go after. There's Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. There's uh, Gregory Rousseau, the Miami guy, who initially was probably thought of as a top 15 pick going into this year. But now as people have kind of watched the tape and maybe have a little bit more time to think, they might have soured on him. Maybe he falls to the end of round one, even into day two. Uh, there's also uh, uh, Jason Owe of Penn State. Really athletic dude, running like four threes, could probably like outrun your car if you had really got into a race with him. And uh, I, I think he, you know, he had no sacks this year, but he's a guy who's his athleticism and some of his tape is actually pretty good too. The only problem is he doesn't play with as much intensity. Like he's not a like when you watch guys sometimes get like caught up, you see them fighting through stuff, you see them fighting through contact, you see them. Like, for instance, Carlos Basham, a guy who I don't think they're going to go after in the draft. I know I'll say, you asked me how free agency, I jumped to the draft. We're talking yeah, about one thing. <laughs> Versus Carlos Basham. Um, so, yeah, I, Carlos Basham's a guy who I, I think is very similar where it's like, uh, not very similar, he's the exact opposite. I think he's actually a guy who constantly knows where the ball is. He's a little bit older. Uh, I don't know necessarily what his upside is. He seems kind of like a, a solid pickup, but I don't know if the Browns are going to be into him. So there's a lot of tier there's a lot of like there's a deep edge rushing class here and we'll talk more about the other guys in that class so for dn i could see them even if they go with ngakwe that they would draft somebody it might change the body type of who they draft um because ngakwe and ojalari are very similar size guys very similar ways that they win i don't think they would go for the exact same edge rusher back to back unless again yannick is a one-year deal and he's like a five million dollar seven million dollar deal in which case totally do it but if you're going after a guy like Romeo Quora, who might be, you know, a, a deal where you're signing multi-years and he might already be cheap. He might come as a six million dollar a year guy for three or four years. Trey Hendrickson, another guy who might be maybe in the ten million dollar a year range market and you might be going you know, further out into a few years. Or you're looking at a guy like um, Carl Lawson, who, again, I don't know what Carl Lawson's market is because the injury is kind of worrisome. He's been good when he's been on the field. But if they're going after him, maybe they get him for like eight to nine million, probably cheaper than what they would have spent when they were when people were saying they were interested in JJ Watt. I, I think the top tier guys in free agency at, at all position groups are going to basically get what they want. You know, they're going to sign for multiple year deals. I think it's the middle tier guys that are going to sign the the one or two year deals. And I could be totally wrong on that. I guess we're all going to find out. Look, free agency to me. That's not how you build a football team. How you build a football team is through the draft and develop those players and you build your team up. Free agency to me is plugging holes. To me, on the defensive line, we have a gaping hole at defensive end that we have to fill. And I think we need to address that more than just the draft. I, I think we need to address that one position in the free agency and the draft. It's, it's going to be 
fun to see who who they pick. You know, is is it a one or two year rental, or is it a guy that they sign for multiple years? Absolutely, I actually kind of have the same feelings. Like basically, free agency is for need, and it's kind of a spackle. Like right, you want to be able to utilize it to be able to. I, I remember I, to strangely enough reference Dave Gettleman here, but I was listening to an interview with Dave Gettleman about like three or four years ago, and he said like the the purpose of free agency is to is to fix need. The purpose of the draft is to get value at players, and you don't you want free agency to prevent you from drafting uh, based off of uh, off of need. And the one year he did it was the year he where he drafted off a need was where he drafted Vernon Butler. And then he drafted four cornerbacks back to back in that one draft where he's with the Carolina Panthers. But they ended up getting James Bradbury out of it. So they did eventually fix that need. Um, There's going to be a lot of corners that I kind of like in this uh, free agency market. Troy Hill. um, I think he's very versatile and he actually probably played better on the outside than he did on the inside. So that's like when we're really talking about issues as far as um, as holes go. I think it really comes down to like, I yes, edge is definitely a question mark, especially now that they got rid of Claiborne. Um, how they attack that, I think they also got to attack the the defensive backs, right? Yes, Greedy might be back, but we don't know to what level, what his health is, what's the expectation. Same with um, same with Delpit. Uh, what I think they will do for some of these contracts, whoever they are signing long-term, I think some of the safeties that they might have been looking at, Marcus Williams, Marcus May, both got the franchise tag because yep. it's cheap to mm-hmm. franchise tag safeties. I think they were looking at them because they probably could have signed them to a long-term deal and been relatively market fair, like been able to get them at a relatively cheap deal. So you could have probably given them uh, and pushed some of that money out, right? You could have probably given them a, a multi-year, $12 million, $13 million, $14 million deal, but you would have been able to, to maybe make it look a little bit more palatable where it's not eating into this year's cap, it's eating into next year's cap and further down the line, which is something they've been, they've been way more eager to do recently since Andrew Barry came back into the fold. With Austin Hooper, they did it. With Jack Conklin, they did it. I think they will try to play that game again this year. They'll do it with a couple of the contracts they currently have on the roster. Like I said, Troy Hill is maybe the most interesting, cheaper guy that they can go after. Uh, it depend- My real question here is, it was the plan to play uh, a lot of zone, uh, as much zone as they may have done. Is that more because of scheme? Is it scheme? Is that what Joe Woods wants to do? Or are they looking to do more man coverage once they get more man corners? And it could have been a lack of talent, right? <laughs> yeah, when you're Terrence Mitchell is not a man corner. You don't want Terrence Mitchell trying to, to play press man and try to slow, you know, try put him up against Tyreek Hill and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Not this gonna is be good. <laughs> no. So you need guys who can maybe show up in man coverage or a little bit of both. If you're switching it up. I also, they were, I think 30th in blitz percentage. I do think they are going to probably be a low blitz team, but I do remember when Joe Woods was in Denver, they, they ran a lot of like safeties closer to um, closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, what you would see in Madden is cover to bu- a man to buzz kind of deal where you're kind of creating an interior, like you're making the uh, you're making the interior of the, the, like the, the shallow areas very hard to throw to. Uh, maybe they do a little bit more of that. Um, they, they loved playing cover four towards the end of the year. That was basically their plan in the playoffs. It's just, listen, we're going to play cover four. We're going to try and make sure they can't beat us long. They got to keep throwing it short every five minutes. And then what we're going to do, especially in that playoff game against the Steelers, throw your hands up, baby, throw your hands up, and then eventually knock a ball away and get Gus in an interception. It all comes back to that one playoff game. We're going to be living through that for years. Gladly. <laughs> um, Andrew Barry had a press conference last week. I did and, watch that. And, and he mentioned part of his press conference was 
his his immediate focus is going to be on expiring contracts for our current players. Yes. Do you have a player or two that you see us signing before free agency starts? I do. Um, well, I think it depends. It depends on what they think the market is. Um, I think a lot of them are going to be still one-year deals, right? Say, Carl, I, I think the Terrence Mitchell, if they don't think they can get a corner that they like in free agency, they will probably have a pre-negotiated, like, listen, maybe we'll go with you on this. Because Terrence Mitchell's cheap, right? He's going to be relatively cheap to keep. Um, it's also possible when he was talking about those extensions for their own players, they weren't talking about the players that are currently leaving in free agency, although they are probably looking well, at that. Well, he said expiring contracts. Oh, expiring contracts, said. yeah. Yeah. Um, Larry Ogunjobi, I know he has not, he's had up and down years, but defensive tackle is a very weird position. Um, but he also made it sound like it's going to be like, I think he's already got an offer on the table from the Browns. Like, I think until he's able to go out and negotiate with other teams, which I'm sure his agent has had some discussion, but up until this week, we didn't know what the cap was going to be. So maybe they've had a little bit of a discussion of what they were looking at as far as money goes. Today was, you know, we find out 182.5 million. That's lower than what a lot of people speculated it would be at. Um, but some, uh, again, that's, that's higher than the floor. So at least the floor isn't the basement. So with that being said, um, I, I think there, there's quite a few guys that they, I, I think he's maybe the one I would look at the most because D tackle, Hey, if you're getting him on a one-year deal, D tackles hard to replace this year. Maybe you have to, maybe you have to sign a Jonathan Hankins. If you want a, another D tackle, is that really going to be a, a solid replacement? They Billings has been out of football for a year. You don't know if Billings is going to be as good. And yes, Billings plays nose tackle. I kind of wanted to see, if they were going to try using Billings and Ogunjobi on the field at the same time on some downs, because Ogunjobi is, has been fine when he's had another run stuffer next to him and he can get some real push and they, they can kind of utilize him. Not really. I guess he'd essentially be playing three tech. He'd be moving from nose to three tech when they've had just Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson, Ogunjobi's kind of a little light. He's a little, especially he's lost a lot of weight too. He's kind of, he's like, you know what? been hitting the gym working out gotta get the beach bod going so early on he was a much heavier stouter guy he kind of is now built a body of a very very solid 300 pound d tackle but maybe he could be a bit of a a three tech getting him to get a one-up on guards because when he gets one-on-one with somebody we've seen him bully mike pouncey just beat the heck out of him now granted that might be why mike pouncey retired this year maurice pouncey sorry one of the pouncey twins but uh, marquise yeah (laughs) um yeah larry O. that's a that's an interesting one it's been the consensus that he's going to be too expensive the browns aren't going to be able to afford him they do have andrew billings as you said who opted out with covid last year um man i I mean so you're thinking that maybe possibly they could bring back larry O. well i just think looking at the depth of this free agent class and again like i don't know how much he's really going to get because the market is so much smaller this year right so if I think he's not, one- he's not top tier, right? Yeah, he's not. He's not a top tier D tackle. He's not a top tier free agent. He's probably I don't even know what PFF has him ranked as. He's probably outside their 100. So if you're looking at a guy who is like, I, I'm sure some teams might look at him, but again, it's a smaller market this year. Half the teams are not even going to be active in free agency. So if you're talking about a guy who you developed, you brought him along, you have an idea of how he works. Your team was solid with him. And like I said before, Billings might be um, 
more kind of on the outs eventually. Like, again, like he's a one-year deal. You were yeah. hoping he was going to be here last year. And I think they wanted to see what that rotation would look like. Like, again, you know, maybe getting both of them on the field at the same time. They didn't get to do that. Uh, a couple of other guys they might do, like I said before, Terrence Mitchell. I think Kevin Johnson might be a guy they look at to keep because he played well at nickel at some points. I, I, he's also a little bit more athletic than Terrence Mitchell. Um, had the ability to play on the outside, was able to kind of, like I said before, Troy Hill was versatile. Kevin Johnson's versatile too. He was much better when he played in the slot. I think year two in the system, like again, we've seen these guys have a little bit of injury uh, issues and health. Kevin Johnson in the playoffs had the the COVID issue early on. He was coming off of uh, was it the lung injury that he had? Was it no? It was a liver. It was the liver, the liver. lacerated. Yeah, he lacerated his liver. How'd you do that? It, I don't it, know. It's like uh, apparently it's more common than you think, but uh, like, it's strange that it doesn't happen more in the pros or you don't hear about it. The only other guy I remember lacerating his liver was Keenan. No, Keenan Allen lacerated his kidney. I don't even know if that's even similar or not. So. I think maybe one of the corners they bring back, especially if they can get them at the right price. I think it's all about price, right? If you can get the guy at the right right market deal, you're going to go for the guy who's the who's cheap, who you think you could bring back at the right price. Carl Joseph is another one because you know, like Carl Joseph plays a certain role really well. Now the thing is, Carl Joseph, they started using him at like kind of that rover role, that like third safety role towards the end of the year. Um, to be able to utilize him almost kind of like as a linebacker, quasi linebacker. Uh, role that's kind of like what the what's kind of becoming the new in thing I know Joe Woods early on said he wants to run nickel he wants to run dime and you got to have guys who could do that um so Carl Joseph could be a guy the only thing is is you're they're probably looking for more free safety help than strong safety because Ronnie Harrison played really well at strong safety and if you have to develop another position at strong safety that's a that's a position you might be able to draft and develop and and find in in this year in the draft you might be able to find a guy who could fill out the back end of that roster to be that number two safety maybe come in and be a rover maybe if you sign a free safety or draft a free safety you can use Delpit as that so Joseph's another one OV was one that clearly would have been top of the list if they didn't tear the Achilles unfortunately and clearly I mean the number one in everybody's heart everybody's phone book Rashard Higgins it's got to be like the guy that everybody wants to re-sign and I very much am eager to see him back. Um, I think he does come back. I don't. I think there's a way you could structure his deal. I think he's probably the one when Andrew Barry was saying that that line about dealing with their expiring contracts. I think that was the guy. That was the number one he had in mind because that's the guy that Baker Mayfield's just chilled with. That's his like James Jones, uh, like with Aaron Rodgers when uh, when Jordy Nelson went down a few years ago and Randall Cobb. He, they called up uh, James Jones, a little bit older uh, wide receiver, comes back in, but he was the safety blanket, played really well for a few games for them. That's Rashard Higgins is is Baker Mayfield's safety blanket, and he's played really well the last few years, like with Baker Mayfield, specifically with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I would love to see Rashard Higgins come back. I think he wants to stay here. It's a matter of, you know, is is the money going to be right? I, I definitely think we can't afford him, but it's it's going to come down to that. And he deserves to be paid, let's be honest, right? Absolutely, especially because, like, when you're getting into this stage of your career, it's all about, like, listen, you need to set yourself up. It, you've been doing this forever. This is the this is your this is your pension plan. This is why you played football and came into the pros, right? Like, yeah, we're all in it for the love, but also, hey, like, you know, there's money in it for these guys, and he needs to be able to set his family up. So that that's generational money that you get in these contracts. I could definitely see him going to another team. I just think he, I think a, 
the Browns could probably figure out a way. First off, his deal is not going to be that expensive, right? His deal is probably going to be, even if he was going to go to another team, a $6 million a year deal on a good year. I don't even know if he's going to get that this year. He's not a top-tier free agent. And you have guys like Kenny Galladay going into the market. You have guys getting released like Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown. Now, granted, he's younger than those guys. I, I think they could do a deal with uh, Richard Higgins that pushes some of the money out and does it as a prorated bonus with option years. I, I really don't see them. like I see them potentially letting him go, but I think part of what their whole, the whole reason why they waited to this point was seeing how much money can we give him up front versus later on. He's definitely one of the top tier guys that because they, they definitely need their receiving core to be good, right? Like that was a big problem in the playoffs. They didn't have Odell. They clearly got to draft a guy with some kind of level of speed. Um, Jarvis Landry's played really well for them, but he's good at beating certain kind of coverages. And if you have a guy who's going to play clingy, who's going to play a lot of man coverage, who's already athletic, who's not afraid of your athleticism, he's going to have some problems. And Rashard Higgins, I, I again, like he's a guy who that we've seen develop and grow in this system. He wants to see this team win. He's got to do what's right for him. But I think there's a way of structuring a contract where even if it takes, it's going to only be a couple million this year, but the proration bonus, if they did a, a long four-year deal with uh, with options at the end, with, uh, with void years at the end of it, where they spread that money out, especially because his expected contracts aren't supposed to be that high. They could probably keep him, even if they don't make any moves with Jarvis Landry's contract, which I think they do. I think eventually Jarvis Landry is going to be restructured. I think Sheldon Richardson's going to get restructured. And I think that's going to create a little bit more cap space for these guys. Um, if they don't do that, I think they are going to target a free agent wide receiver. Even if they do that, they might do that because they definitely needed speed, especially with Odell, coming off an ACL. Um, Bashard Perriman's been talked about a lot. Um, I know I don't think they're going to go after Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's going to go to Green Bay, by the way. Sanders might go to Green Bay, but Perriman or even John Brown, the guy who just got released from the Bills, although whatever deal John Brown would take with the Browns is probably about the same that the Bills would offer him or some other team that has a similar setup would do. How old's John Brown? I didn't even know he was released. Was that just today? Yeah, he's in his 30s, so that's why I would probably be staring that dude a little can bit fly still, away. can he? Yes, he can. He's very good. He's very fast. Yeah. He's always had health issues. Um, But yeah. generally speaking, like Cleveland's not Denver, where you're up in the mid-altitudes and you can get sickle cell anemia, very, like, where it's going to activate your sickle cell trait. This, you know, Cleveland is in a solid altitude area where you can definitely be able to get away with it. So, um, you know, it's not any further. It's not a worse altitude than, say, Buffalo. So, you know, it's also not that far. <laughs> and also, we're not going to ask him to catch 100 balls a year. You know, we just need him to take the top off the defense. You know, exactly. right. So we wouldn't overutilize him is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think he, you know, he's an option there. Um, I definitely think they're going to look at speed. I, the other guy who I, I keep mentioning Bengals players, because I just feel like the Bengals keep on like jettisoning guys. Former top 10 pick John Ross. If you give him a one year veteran, veteran minimum deal. But again, like that's a guy who we forget that he had flash moments like a year or two ago. Like for some reason this year, the Bengals just didn't want to even deal with him. He was the forgotten man. Yeah. But like a year ago when Zach Taylor first came in, he looked good for like four games until he got injured. But again, he looked good for four games. Now you don't want to keep having a bunch of injured receivers on your roster, but a guy who runs four, two, two, it just plays differently. Like that's a different kind of player. Now there's going to be guys in this draft class who also have that kind of speed. So maybe they look at the draft and get to develop a guy, but 
John Ross on a one-year vet minimum deal or whatever you can get him for. Like they signed Jojo Natson to be the punt returner. Maybe they get him to do that. They could definitely use a little bit more competition at the outside, you know, getting some speed, get some, you know, pull the, because that's when the Browns lost OBJ, teams were able to key in on the run game. And even though, yes, they still ran the ball very well. If you're able to key in on one thing that they're doing, like, again, not having that, that one scary deep threat that everybody's going, shit, we got to go ahead and stop them. <laughs> like that's, that's a danger. Like you need that guy who's going to, who's going to pull some of the safeties back. You can't cheat. That's what happened in the Kansas City game. They were not afraid of the the Browns. They were not afraid of the speed on the Browns team. They were they had one safety back there, his uh, Daniel Sorensen, and he's kind of you know he's out there just kind of like hanging out and like all right, I'm gonna go ahead and take a shot at the guy and then be done. Um, Dirty Dan, as they like to call him over in Kansas City, maybe for certain reasons I don't know. Even um, the Steelers, the first time we played them last year, they weren't afraid of our offense, you know. So yeah, those will keep them. Those will keep them honest. Yeah, the Steelers game was a little weird because they, uh, they they like to rotate their safeties a bit. The Fitzpatrick, you know, they'll be playing too high, and then all of a sudden Fitzpatrick will come in and, and sneak into the slot. Like, that was the one Baker Mayfield uh, thing, uh, Baker Mayfield interception that was really bad that went in and became a pick six was, you know, make it, you know, they look like they're playing too high, and then he comes in and he goes ahead and snags one. The Steelers also, they their team is built around stopping the run with the front seven. Like they really don't play a lot of they play a lot of blitzing and a lot they'll play zone and they play a lot. They've actually gotten a little bit more. Um, they play a little bit more man over the past couple of years, but not nearly as much as they still should. Um, they they love doing the fire zone blitzes, the 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 zone blitzes, and moving their safeties around to create kind of like oh shit, I didn't see him there. And again, th- that front seven, especially the front five, right? Haywards. Stephon Tewitt, Alualu, back when they had that five together, listen, they might not have that anymore. Like honestly, the Browns are on a Browns are on a potential to really uh, capitalize on the fall of the Steelers. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna put a bow on the the free agency talk with the Browns huddle mailbag questions. But before awesome. that, before that, very quickly, give me a couple names. I want you to sing like a canary. <laughs> Give me a couple of names that the Browns should look at in this year's draft. All right. I already mentioned Aziz Ojolari. So 26, right? My bet is they trade back from 26, right? Um, 26 is in that range where a lot of times you trade back and you can get a second round pick next year or a third round pick this year. We saw it last year with the Chargers trading up with the Patriots. This year, uh, I think they do it. Uh, I'm, think, I'm trying to think of a team that they could really trade back with. Maybe the Eagles, maybe the Broncos maybe the Panthers, somebody who's seeing a falling player that they really want. But there's three guys that if they're at 26, I want them to take. J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Some guys, he, I, watch, I remember watching his tape. Man, he blew me away. He was fun to watch. He's, got, he's versatile. He's versatile. He could, you could stick him in the slot. You could stick him outside, uh, play a lot of man coverage with him. If they're looking to play more man coverage and get a little bit more use out of Greedy, you would have Greedy, Denzel, and J.C. Horn. That would be a sick man coverage team. Number two, Aziz Ojolari. I already talked about him. Very much Yannick Ngakwe Jr., if you will. Um, just a great outside rusher. A little light in the hit, a little bit light, but man, this guy can bend and like he's got he's got good like hip displacement. He also is good with his knees and with his ankles. He uses all the joints in the lower lower half of the body. And then the third guy who I might be a little bit okay if they pass on, but I would love it if they took him is Christian Barmore. For a first round pick because 
he's a good D tackle. He's probably the best D tackle in this class. And he's the only one I would take in the first round. He might be the only guy I would take in the top 50. He he's been, he was really good. He's really athletic and he's very scheme sound. I think you could utilize him. Uh, he, he will, he works his butt off. I, I was watching uh all 22 film the other day. And it's, it's very rare. You can find that sometimes as, as somebody who's far off from not being like, Oh, I work on uh, on a, on a big name thing. Very hard. But I was watching his stuff. Man, he's very good. He, he moves very well, very athletic, and he can both be a good run stopper and a good pass rusher. Some guys I like in later rounds. Um, I like our Darius Washington, um, the TCU guy. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about Trevon Morig. Also like him, but I don't like him in the first round. Like I just don't. I don't see them if they even take if they take a safety that high. I think they trade back and try and take Trevon Morig. I know a lot of people like him. He could be you know kind of very similar to Anthony Harris, but at that point. Take Anthony is sign Anthony Harris in free agency and try to find a way to develop a safety. Otherwise, um, Elijah Moore, that dude's got speed for days. Day two would love to see him on the Browns somewhere. Um, with one of those day two picks, that guy. If you're watching um JC Horn film and all of a sudden you come across Ole Miss, he's blowing up the the all the South Carolina secondary. This guy's just running all over the place. They have him in the backfield. They throw it. They throw him deep. They get him short. He just breaks him free. Elijah Moore would be fun. He's probably like going to be the seventh receiver, fifth or sixth receiver off the board. Um, that's more of a day two guy. Uh, Ronnie Perkins, I like. I like a lot of guys on day two. A lot of the edge rushers are going to be fun. Um, Asante Samuel, if they trade back, that's the guy I target in the trade back move is get Asante Samuel, um, maybe get. Uh, Ali McNeil might be a guy who falls to day three, uh, uh, round three, not day three, round three. Man, you're dropping some knowledge on us, man. We're we're in for a treat tonight. Yeah, he that guy's big. He's dude. He's athletic. Like you know, everybody loves Vita Vea. Like he is. He might be a Vita Vea style kind of D tackle. Who, if if they had the uh, the combine today, he'd be rising up like national boards. Everybody'd be like, oh my god, this guy ran crazy. And maybe when he has his pro day, we'll hear the numbers and everybody will be like, oh, shit, this guy's good. But, <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys who could be an athletic D-tackle, get a little bit pushed. He's a nose tackle, but, like, yo, stick him next to Billings and watch that just clog up the interior of a defensive line and then watch as we stick an edge rusher opposite of Miles Garrett and just eat. So I think there's a lot of guys in this draft. Kelvin Joseph is a guy who I think people are interested in. I like from what I've seen. The only problem is that he's got a lot of off-the-field stuff that's gone on. So he's a guy who you might not want to spend a high pick on, but if you're kind of like, oh, I haven't drafted a good corner yet, and you're like towards the end of the third round, into the fourth round, he might be worth the shot to see what he is. Um, very good feet, not necessarily all in the – he's kind of still young at the position. He played one year at LSU, one year at Kentucky, um, had to take a gap year because of the transfer rules. So he's very good. I think he's going to be an intriguing option later on in the draft. I don't know how the Browns will feel about it because we've gone through. Listen, if this was Dorsey, Dorsey would be signing this guy in the third round. But uh, we don't have Dorsey no more. We got Andrew Barry. He has a little bit. He's got some standards to him. Maybe the Lions will. Lions, yo, listen, the Lions. I, I'm intrigued by that Lions staff right now. I am too. <laughs> I could spend two hours talking about the Lions and everything that's gone. Because to be honest, that's an intri- they're literally kind of redoing I think they're trying to redo what we did with the Browns. I think they're going to try and redo it. Maybe try to do some, uh, some like get some extra draft capital in the trade down. So I think the the Lions are an intriguing team that might be trying to redo what the what the what the Browns and the Dolphins have so far somewhat perfected. 
And the um, Kansas City Chiefs. The yeah. Chiefs. Um, Jalen Darden's another guy who, on day three, very fast receiver uh, out of North Texas. Uh, he's a guy that people are going to sleep on because he's a small school guy, but he's probably getting a lot of talk in draft communities. Like, he's, you know, um, I, I think they have to go for a speedy receiver sometime between day two and day three. Uh, somewhere by round four, they have to take one guy who has some level of speed. Luckily, this draft has tons of it. You know, like Dearness Johnson, they're probably not a guy who they go after. Uh, not, uh, not Dwayne Eskridge, uh, who is very fast, but he's also like 24, going to be 25 next year. Like, probably not in their wheelhouse of guys that they're going to go after. Um, so I, I, I could talk probably for for six hours. So even an edge rusher, I, I done. I think I've done like 10 to 12 edge rushers already. Um, and I still have more because of how deep this class is. It's And if we're looking at maybe getting a developmental tackle, uh, Brady Christensen out of BYU, um, actually watched his game against Coastal Carolina. He plays on the same team as Zach Wilson, potentially a top three quarterback in this this draft, um, projected to maybe be drafted by a, a New York team, uh, rhymes with the Mets. So with the BYU, uh, Brady Christensen, he's not going to go high, I don't think, but um, because he's the, the guys who he's played against, but he's a very solid floor guy and has run a very similar scheme at BYU to what the Browns kind of already have instilled. Very technically sound dude as well, um, but he's not a high upside guy. He's kind of a guy, if he falls to, day four, uh, to round four, uh, round five, and you see him, take him. He could be your swing tackle and be like a high-end swing tackle because eventually – you know, one of these guys is going to get injured. I don't think Hubbard comes back until halfway through the year next year. I think he's going to start the year on the pup list. So I'm a little bit more worried about the swing tackle position than I am about guard. Some of our listeners might be curious as to why we haven't mentioned Zaven Collins yet out of Tulsa, the linebacker. <laughs> a lot of draft experts have us picking him at 26. What are your thoughts on him? Is it possible we could pick him? What are your thoughts? That was the first guy in this draft I looked at, to be honest. Because I, I remember early on, I'm like, 260 at linebacker? And he like, can he edge rush? Can he do this? And I, I watched him. And the thing is, is that he's not, like, they don't play that. Like, they're not going to play that style of defense for the Browns. He's, listen, could they take him? I think they would. I don't think he goes in the first round because I think there's only certain teams that really would like what he, what he does. He could drop into coverage quite a bit. Um, but he's not like a he's not a coverage linebacker. He I, I would probably compare him to Tremaine Edmonds a few years ago, where I also just think that the value of linebacker, I, I just knowing what the Browns have done in drafts and what they value it position wise, I think their game plan is not to play a lot of linebackers. So they could go Xavier Collins, but the thing is, is Xavier Collins doesn't really fit what the Browns do. Like, is he gonna play middle linebacker for them? That's not really what he did when he was with uh, Tulsa. Um, he is kind of more of, you know, I think he, they lined him up at, like he was outside linebacker, but he was like, he also, it was weird watching him play because he didn't look very like, he was kind of like, like kind of like patty caking it. And the other thing is, is drafting linebackers high. There's not a good track record of it for a guy who, if we're really talking about linebackers, I'd rather wait to the second or third round and take a Jabril Cox, um, Jamin Davis guys who maybe fit a similar size or a similar like role that you want them to play because like he Xavier Collins is not an edge rusher. He's a linebacker. He's just a really big linebacker who maybe you can blitz. I think he fits better in a Patriots style defense, 
maybe even the you know unfortunately to say this the Steelers or the the Ravens he would fit better in where they maybe would like dropping him into coverage but also utilizing him as maybe a blitz rusher or something like that it the Browns don't really blitz that much we want to rush four at least that's what I saw last year maybe they switched that up but even still then you're you're valuing cornerback you're not valuing linebacker so Guys who I think that they would go after, Jabril Cox was great in coverage. I just don't think he has the athleticism to really push him up further of the board. Maybe he would have blown up the combine, and maybe he's more athletic than I think. He play, He was very good in coverage, though, at the Senior Bowl. I think they're going to – I think linebacker wasn't even the worst position on this team last year. Malcolm Smith played really well last year. B.J. Goodson played okay. He played solid. Um you know, we got Sayon Takitaki came on in kind of a role playing mode kind of deal. Uh, really good on rundowns and got to, and again, <laughs> that pick in that playoff game just kind of seals it. Like, ah, oh, he's going to be here for at least a little bit. Um, Jacob Phillips, I want to see what he does. I am curious what they do at linebacker in free agency and the draft, but I don't think there's, I don't think they're going to peg themselves a certain way to, to go at linebacker. I think they might just bring back BJ Goodson or Malcolm Smith, especially because Malcolm Smith was the best linebacker on the team and you signed him for nothing last year. Like, by the way, why is that? That guy was like a Super Bowl MVP and then all of a sudden like was not on rosters for like three years and was our best linebacker, but he was like a top 15 to 20 linebacker. Like he wasn't bad. Like linebacker is a very flat position. Well, you really, well, we, our biggest problem was safety. We didn't have an athletic enough safety to play free safety. Uh, I don't, uh, Redwine's probably better off like a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Although he, he plays free safety a bit for the Browns, but he was more of the backup free safety. He played fine at certain spots. In fact, he's had, he had a couple of picks himself this year. Um, they might play around with MJ Stewart in slot corner in safety mode, but I don't think you'd want to play MJ Stewart at free safety. Um, I think I think going into this offseason, free agency-wise, I think they were looking edge rusher and safety. They seem to be valuing it similar to um, what originally the, the Seahawks and the Vikings kind of value as positions go where they, they value highly the, the safeties as far as the, the cerebral safeties, good edge rushers, and then you can kind of cover up your, your corners, get big, long corners who can run. And so Efetu Melifanwu, you might have heard his name, might be a guy. I think they don't take him till round two because I just think there are better guys in this draft. I also think Joe Woods is smart enough to adapt the defense to what they need to do. Um, this all started with a question about Zayvon Collins, who, is he fine? Sure. I think there's other guys who maybe fit a better role for them in this draft class, especially at 26. You're going to see him mock at 26 because people say, oh, he could be an edge presence. He's 260. He was, he'd be more of a blitz backer. He's more of a, like a Dante Hightower. And we didn't do well when we had Jamie Collins. Like Jamie Collins was a blitz backer. We never really utilized him well because we didn't have the scheme to really utilize Jamie Collins. You need to have the other pieces developed around that to utilize that kind of a player. So Maybe why I'm a little bit lower on Zayvon Collins. If we're going to take a linebacker uh, or semi-linebacker, I'd rather take JOK, um, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, if they're going to take a guy in the first round because he's kind of – he can play both linebacker and safety, and he's done both very well for Notre Dame. Uh, and he he fits those schemes. He fits – he could do both. He can't be free safety, but he'd be either strong safety and or your – like he, basically he could – be either I think weak side or even they could probably play him at strong side he's a little light to play that but I think they could do it they could they could find different ways of using uh JOK the things that they made they had him do at Notre Dame was impressive he's very cerebral very smart definitely knows when to go for the run fits I I think he he's a very good he might have a hard time getting off of blocks but to be honest 
How do you fix that? You get a bunch of heavy D tackles to block up the run game. So <laughs> that's how you do it. And you get one guy, you have one linebacker whose job is really going to be like, listen, he's the run guy. I'm the guy who's kind of like calling the plays and also being the athletic guy. And he blew up a ton of run plays himself. So listen, if they're, if they're getting on you, if, they, if, they, if an offensive lineman gets on you, try to get off of them, try to avoid getting them, getting, letting them get to you, which a lot of times that's the, the good thing about JOK. He's fast enough where he can avoid the, the, the offensive lineman getting his hands on him. So I, I like that. I like yeah, the sound so, of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that was the whole thing with what's it was a Dayon Buchanan a couple of years ago that the converse from safety to linebacker, why they sometimes work is because they're fast enough. Listen, the, the, the offensive lineman can't grab them anyway. Move, move fast, go for the, go blow up the run and do what you got to do. That's why I think that's why I was mentioning before about Carl Joseph, because Carl Joseph can kind of play a quasi linebacker role if they brought him back. And they kind of did start using him in like that, where he would blow up a run play really well. Like I, he was our second best run defender last year, I think, as far as on the, beyond the, the line of scrimmage. Yeah. His, his weakness is probably coverage. Yes, it depends on how you're utilizing a guy sometimes. Yeah. He, he's solid in coverage, but I think his best role is near the line of scrimmage. That's they, they, What the Browns need is a free safety. By the way, the Raiders just released LaMarcus Joyner, who that would be a guy near 30, So, but he's probably going to come cheaply. If you get him, he's good at free safety. He could probably pull off that role. Um, he, was being, he was being used out of role. Like he was, they were playing him at slot corner all the time. Um, that was not a right move. That was, why would you take a guy who was having his career years at free safety? I could, I could rag on Gruden all day in that defense, but you're playing a guy who was a free safety at slot corner. <laughs> Gunther needs to not have a job anymore. <laughs> Let's move into the Brown settle mailbag questions. Cause we're, awesome. we're going to uh, talk about draft. We're going to talk about free agency within these questions. So the first question from at Andy Piccone, he was the guest on the show a couple months ago. Great guy, great Browns fan. He asked, pick one offensive weapon to draft. We talk about the defensive lot a lot in the draft, but pick one offensive weapon that you can see the Browns drafting. I, I said it before, Elijah Moore. I love um, either one of the Moores, Rondale or Elijah. They kind of both uh, do a lot of similar things. I think Elijah Moore is a lot more like long speak and just break one clear, but also Rondell Moore is also really fast too. Um, you said one, <laughs> I could, I'll ramble off a, a ton more. I talked before about Demetri Felton. He's a kind of uh he's a running back, but play, he's also played wide receiver. He's kind of that quasi like could be utilized like the Naheem Hines, Duke Johnson rule. Nice fourth round guy to go after. I mentioned before about Jalen Darden. It's a bunch of speed guys in this draft. That's what they need. They need speed. We, we have guys who can get open via route running and we need a burner. We need a burner. We need guys who are going to keep the, keep them from cheating with their free safety keep their, uh, keep their strong safety a little bit further back, make them a little bit afraid. Yeah. Cause I mean, OBJ has a little bit of that in him. Jarvis Landry, he's just going to get in there, get dirty, you know, and, and make those tough catches. But you're right. We need a burner. Some, somebody that can stretch the field and, and, you know, Baker can heave ho that 50 yard bomb and he's five yards ahead of the cornerback. I mean, that's the type of guy that we need in this offense. Yeah. I, I, well, that's what I'm saying is uh, OBJ is the one guy who could probably do it. Maybe yeah. Donovan, DPJ was the other guy who kind of did it once in a while. Yeah. That was it. That was all you had. Like uh, Rashard Higgins was good at getting open. Um, He, he actually had he's a great a route runner. Yeah. I guess a, a good route, a great route runner. 
basically he the problem is him and Jarvis Landry are, the, are very similar style right. receivers and you need the other style to complement what you are doing and you need a guy who's going to be there um in case Odell's not going to be uh, not going to be healthy or you need a third guy so you yeah yeah very, very good 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 question Andy let's move on to the next one at r g u z i 81 ass who, and we might have mentioned this, we've mentioned a lot of defensive targets, but who is the one defensive target you would be absolutely stoked to add in free agency? Oh, see, I'm, I'm very malleable. If they got William Jackson, I'd be intrigued um, because that would be, that would really set their corner stable really well. And then they could really attack D-line in the draft. Or they could reverse that. And he's and still I, fairly young, too. He's 28 yeah. years old. I mean. It all comes down to money. Because if they got Carl Lawson on a good deal, I'd be excited. If they got if they got Romeo Quora on a good deal, I'd be excited. It's all about the money to me, man. And Gakwe. On Gakwe, I'd be amazed. That would be amazing. I do think, like I said before, they might shy away from Olizizo Jolari in the draft because they're very similar. Although, like we said before, maybe Yannick Ngakwe is a one-year deal and he goes back on the open market next year. So I think I, those are all guys I, I would be very intrigued by. I, I, Yannick Ngakwe would be amazing. Um, they are supposedly in trying to pull in Shaq Barrett. At least that was one of the reports, I think, by Mary Kay Gabbett. Yeah, you'd be amazing. I just don't know if Tampa Bay is going to let him go. Yeah, you know? I agree. I, also, there's going to be somebody else who outbids Browns because we're yeah. not the ones with the most amount of money. Um but I'm curious as to who really would be the ones to throw that much money for him. Yeah, there's some teams with some cap room for sure, and that can afford them. But Miles Garrett, that's the ace in the hole right there. That 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 guy, you know, if you're a defensive end, Miles Garrett is intriguing to sit on the other side of. Absolutely. That's why I was so like I really did want them to sign JJ Watt. Oh man. <laughs> but like there he was blew no... it. He blew it. I know. He could have went to the Super Bowl. He didn't do it. It's you know what. Screw it. It's over. Um, I thought his deal was very weird. I thought his deal was very weird because he ended up signing essentially like everybody reported it as a two year, it was a two year, $31 million deal. But 3 million of that is basically all incentives based off of if he can get 10 sacks. So I don't know, like a, it's now become a two year, $14 million deal. And then I guess that's fine. I'm kind of happy the Browns didn't spend 14 million on a defensive end like him because he, the last three years he did. I, there was also that weird report that they were supposedly in the running and they offered more money. I don't necessarily buy it. They offered more money. I think they maybe offered more guarantees or they were in a, they offered a different structure. I know. I think Mary Kay Cabot said somewhere in like the 11 to $12 million range. And that makes sense. Cause his is, I think if you look at other similar contracts, even in a good year, like Clayus Campbell was twelve point five million when he got extended by the Ravens. So, I think that's probably closer to what his real market value was outside of the Arizona Cardinals. But the Arizona Cardinals' desperation—that's what—that's what makes money—is desperation. And they, there's no, there's only, there's two teams that are probably really desperate this year: the Cardinals and the Bears. All right, very good. At Browns down under, Mick McGovern from Australia. We um, he sent me a Victory Monday coffee mug all the way from Australia. It came here last night, and I sent him nice. some 
Browns huddle koozies. I sent them five or six of them, and it it, it got to each of our homes the same day. It was amazing. Great guy. He, he's he's a fan of the show. He's he was on the show a couple about six weeks ago. He has a great question. He asks, prioritize these positions of needs: defensive end, linebacker, cornerback, safety, wide receiver. What would be the order of importance to you? After the Claiborne uh, release, I think it goes defensive end, corner, safety, even wide receiver, then linebacker. Because I, I, wow. I, I understand people are so worried about the linebacking position, but also like they got solid play from guys who were four one-year deals, $4 million guy, $1 million guy. Yeah, was there a play here or there where B.J. Goodson, like for instance, the um, everybody's going to remember the last play of the Kansas City game where or the second to last play where what's his uh chad henny runs for 14 yards on, yeah, on a 13 on and a half yards yeah yeah all right <laughs> um yeah that's one play that yes i do think like levante david would have gotten or just a better coach defense or a more a less useful youthful defense like a team that's been together a little bit longer where you, you have a lot more uh coaching cohesion again like it, usually year two of a defensive scheme and an offensive scheme you usually gel a lot more. So that's why I'm excited for the Browns this year because, hey, we're in year two of something. Last time we were in year two of something, it went totally the other direction. All right, so you have defensive end, cornerback, safety, wide receiver, then linebacker. It probably, before the Claiborne uh, release, it probably would have maybe put corner higher. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I think now that Claiborne got released, I think that, well, that also means they're probably making a move. But I think also with what this team values, I think they value defensive end above those other positions. So getting an improvement at edge is going to be a big deal for them, especially because they have Miles Garrett. Um, they will find a way to make corner work, especially in this draft where it's another de- it's a deep draft at defensive back. So they might take a couple of shots on defensive backs in, bo- in multiple rounds. And, you know, they could take a second round corner and a third round corner because they have two third round picks. You know, they might trade back and get another third rounder or a second rounder next year. So they have a lot of options. They could trade for Stephon Gilmore, which is another option that I've heard is on the table. So you might have kind of answered this a little bit, but which ones do you think of these positions gets filled in free agency and which ones draft? And I know some a couple of positions might be both, but what, what are your thoughts there? I think the I think the big name money deal is going to be D end because clearly Claiborne kind of signaled that they clearly feel okay at D end mm-hmm. for some reason, so they probably have an idea on that. Um, corner, I think they take a guy that's like in the the tier two range, depending on how much they spend on the tier one edge rusher, and they're absolutely drafting both of those positions. Um, I could see them like you were saying before, guys who are on expiring deals that they might go after. Uh, BJ Goodson, Malcolm Smith. If they're going for a guy in free agency that might be like, oh, we'll go after this guy, Jayon Brown might be an option. He's coming off an injury, might be a little bit cheaper. Um, very good coverage linebacker, not always been the um best run stopper, but he's definitely been good in coverage. And again, if you get a guy who's got a few years and you believe has the mentality that could help run your defense, I thought safety was going to be the big one in free agency. I'm starting to think maybe that's not the case anymore because unless they go after John Johnson, the third, uh, Josh Johnson, the third, John, the guy out of uh, the LA Rams, that's a guy who I could see them going after. I thought Marcus may Marcus Williams were high targets for them. 
they could go after Harris, um, Anthony Harris out of the Vikings. Very familiar with the scheme that they run. He's going to cost safety. it. He's going to cost us if we go after him. Maybe, but he had a little bit of a down year, and safety's always been a weird market because, like, I remember Trey Boston's been like a free agent multiple times where he signs late into the really late on, and then he ends up playing really well multiple times. So he just, there's always the safety market's always kind of sporadic. There's always guys you think are going to get big deals that are waiting until like May or even June to sign somewhere. So he could be expensive, but who else is signing him? The Vikings aren't. They just released, I think they're, I think they just released Riley Reef. So maybe they have a little bit more room, but they had to get back, they had to get under the cap. So I don't think they're keeping them. Who else is signing them? That's a good question. These will all be answered very soon. Like we said, free agency <laughs> is starting a week from today. We're recording on a Wednesday night. Free agency will be well on his way seven days from now. Jaquiski Tarts and Jaquiski Tart and Akilo Witherspoon are two other guys I would be very intrigued with the Browns taking shots on. Um, Jaquiski Tart has the ability to kind of be a quasi linebacker, also free safety. He's, he's that versatile chess piece. Very familiar with Joe Woods, his play calling, his schemes. Because again, they were together in San Francisco. And then Akilo Witherspoon came on at the end of the last year. He's probably going to be a cheap one-year deal, but that's what you're looking for in free agency. So again, Troy Hill and Akilo Witherspoon are guys that are on the cheaper end. All right, last question. At Casey underscore Kinneman. He asks, what do you think of the potentially leaked 1946 throwback jersey for the Browns? What do you, did, did you see that on Twitter? Oh, I did see that. Oh, I, what, what happened? That looked like... That looked really weird. It looked like a faked one. That looked like somebody's like trying to like scare you a little bit. Like, yeah, we could be wearing these one game. No, oh, good. Can we go back to the, the the color rush jersey, please? The brown one that like Baker Mayfield made his debut in, and he's wearing the brown and orange. That, that's the one we like. I think we. It's probably the the coolest looking colors. It's that nice dark brown with the bright orange. I, the white. So it was weird, right? Because it had that weird, like, black outline to the orange letters. Or was yeah, it the, it's the shadow box. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that looked. Oh, that looked weird. That looked like something you get at like, a, a, like, a, like a discount store. Like, this is what we think the Browns jerseys look like. Like, you're, you're going to like the Dollar Tree, and it's like, oh, look, Browns jerseys. I'm like, when have they worn those? And I'm like, I guess this year they're going to be wearing them. Yeah, I mean that, that. From what I understand, that was the jersey they wore in 1946. So. It, oh. it, I think it has some legs, man. It could be the real deal that we're going to see him wear that jersey for at least one game this year. I mean, I've seen uglier jerseys. They're, they've come out on occasion. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tend to have some ugly jerseys every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm not overly worried about it. Like, I don't think it affects it's the one game. game. It's one yeah. game. Yeah. It's a throwback. They have the white helmet. I'm not a fan of that. I, you know, I can get through anything for one game. It's fine. Um, they had the, the Bengals, the, the league Jersey, and also the 49ers for their throwback Jersey. The, the Bengals Jersey was interesting. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see the Bengals Jersey. I, I think the Bengals have a, I have a good color scheme where they should be a very, they should be a more popular team. And then you realize that it's, it's not a really well-run team. Yeah. Like, so I mean, like, it's bad when like, okay, like they, they practice, they don't even have an indoor facility. And they constantly let free agents go because they just don't have the cash to spend on their own free agents. <laughs> That's literally been the, the, the history of the Browns, uh, not the Browns, the Bengals the last five years. That's the brilliant thing about Haslam. Like at least 
when they finally started getting it together, the the money that they are willing to throw at free agents and the, the guaranteed money, because that's a big deal. The guaranteed money and the signing bonuses, it's a little underrated what a lot of mo- having a lot of cash can do for a team. And you have to put guaranteed money up in escrow. Like if you have truly guaranteed money, like the guys like Khalil Mack, when he signed his deal, the whole reason why the Raiders let him go and trade him away was because they did not have the cash to be able to pay Khalil Mack. So it's not the briefcase and Dumb and Dumber with all the IOU slips. It's not. Nah, it okay. it it's not all fake money. If you're if you're putting in fully guaranteed money, that goes into escrow, and you have to. <laughs> that's sitting in a bank account somewhere. You got to prove it. You got to take out a loan. Now it's not that the Raiders and the 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 the, the Raiders and the Bengals couldn't you know get a loan for this. They absolutely could, but especially when you are Mark Davis and um. And, and uh, the Brown family, you just might not want to do that. You might say, you know what, let's find a different way, which is fine. But then you would think they would try to come up with some new engine, like some ingenuity, right? Trade it's your debt, picks. right? That's what it is. It's debt. Yeah. Well, tr- but here's my idea. It's like, okay, then you, they should be the teams that are big on trading down. They should be the teams that are big on accruing capital and, and trying to manipulate the draft the way the, the Browns did it and the way that uh, I think the Lions are going to do it as well, the way that the, the Dolphins are now starting to do it as well. Manipulate the draft. Try to get as many assets. The Bengals didn't trade down once last year. They had the top pick in every round. They didn't trade down once. Doesn't make any sense. This has been so much fun, dude. I I, I was expecting a great podcast, but, dude, you have laid the wood today, man. Uh, thank you. I appreciate dropped. it. This is fun. Yeah, dude, you've dropped some knowledge on us, man. This is a podcast. This is an episode. You're going to have to listen to it two or three times to just really get a full grasp on what we just talked about. And, and just listen to the mental farts that I have where I'm calling one guy another name. I forget one guy's name. I'm like, God damn it. What happened? All right. Uh, Wyatt Teller. He was great. Yeah. Jedrick but, Wills. <laughs> same guy. Same guy. Same yeah. guy. Yes. But other than that one floozy, yes, I, I, this is a great, I, I love being on the, this was great to come on here. It's great to talk about it. Like I said, I could probably hijack this show for another three days. Just keep going. And eventually you're gonna be like, I have work in the morning. You don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I know the listeners are going to want to know where to find you. So where can the listeners find you? What are you up to? What are you doing? I know you have a podcast. Go ahead and plug it all right now. All right. Uh, you can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like a delicious drink you drink in the summer. That's Rojo Death Punch. And I'm on all platforms, the TikToks, the 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 YouTubes. I'm not always posting on those things, but you can find me on the YouTube. Um, you can find me on the TikTok. You can find me on the Instagram. Uh, also, um, my podcast, Draft Vice, uh, kind of follow same stuff we talked on here. More broader, right? Uh, uh, you heard that I talked. we talked a bit of fa- fantasy bit about the draft that's what i tend to cover on that show i also have a couple of local stand-up comedians every once in a while to come on talk about their team also we sometimes do funny drafts because they're comedians try to get some people in there who can maybe who aren't always into football i also do a um a show on thursdays face off with face mirror brenda face mirror uh that's an amazing show if you find one of my my accounts somewhere you will find that i will post about that um, the Instagram is a very good one. The Twitter is the best one right now because that's, I feel like that's where all the information is at the Instagram and oh. the YouTube as well. Yeah. And then, uh, I also, 
I, on and off, I also do a law podcast. We talked about me being a lawyer. I do a show called Punk Law 101 every once in a while. We break down the Supreme Court opinions, some uh, uh, some different maybe legal concepts people have questions with, you know, things like student loans and bankruptcy. Um, uh, last year was when we really kind of started, you know, post uh, start of the pandemic, broke down a lot of the, the legal opinions that came out. And again, like uh, you can follow me at B. R-O-J-O, Death is in the End of Life, Punch, like a delicious drink you drink in the summer. Uh, they are all findable on uh, iTunes and also on the Twitterverse, from what I understand. Uh, this has been great. I really enjoy talking about the Browns, and I really enjoy talking football. This has been great to spend time with you. Uh, and thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, Walt, well, can, can I get a commitment from you to come back on the show? Absolutely. You could call me anytime. You'll be like, yo, yeah. <laughs> yo. Three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning. Yo, you podcast absolutely <laughs> talk about the browns for another three hours i thought i'd have to like hound you and be like yo can you let me back on the browns listen dude like listen i know you like talking about the browns but you got to calm down i'm all of a sudden outside your window hey do you got that browns podcast still i would totally be back on you can give me three seconds notice i'd be on there be on my phone be like yo what's up down to talk about football could do it anytime anywhere any place oh it's man one, it's probably one of my favorite things to talk about you could just, you can get me, like I said before, you can get me going for days. There's one other guy I ever know who could do this, Kevin Smith. He'll go on a show and just steal your show from you. But yes, that's, uh, thanks for having me on. This has been amazing. Uh, I'm shocked we didn't even get into Jarvis Landry because there's always so oh, much Twitter first arguments about Dude, I have like four or five questions that I didn't even get to get into, but that's okay, man. We, we, we actually talked for two hours and it doesn't seem like that. I hope that translates to what the listeners are thinking. Oh, I listen. I I hope I didn't destroy your 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 algorithm. No. Two hours with this guy, really? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't tell him to shut up. Well, he's a ginger. You don't know he's got. He might have magic behind him. Uh, so yes, thank thanks again for letting me come on, for letting me hijack your show and talk. Uh, just like spew more and more stuff. I I would be happy to come on anytime. I appreciate it. It's been great meeting you, by the way. And I I am now officially. Uh, a huge, huge fan. I will. I, I mean, I was already a fan. You were having me on before you had me on. Oh, huge fan. Amazing man here, everybody. I don't well, know who I'm talking this is, to. This. this is why I do podcasts. Is this reason right here to meet Browns fans, to meet people like you, and this has been a blast, man. It's really yes. Thank so, you. I appreciate it. This has been fun. Um, I'll let you get off because that way you don't have to deal with me. Like, oh, I was talking another ten hours. No, this is fine, man. Usually, I have to do you know, an hour or two of editing, but I'm not even going to do that. I think this is just fine the way it was. I, I thought you did a great job. I sure. appreciate it. This has been great. Um, uh, again, I, anytime, anything you want to have me retweet or post or whatever to share it, I I'll do that as well. Same. It's weird. Different, different platforms have different things that work really well. Like Instagram was really like the thing that worked for me really early on for, for getting stuff out there. TikTok now is amazing. Oh yeah. Like, unfortunately, I just like, I, I, it takes so much to do a TikTok. And then if you have a real job to spend the, the time to, oh, I got to do a TikTok. Oh, I got to record a podcast and I got to do this. It's like, it's, it gets exhausting, but I'll tell you this much. It's always fun. I love meeting new people. This is why I love sports podcasting. There's, there's all this like love. It's, it's a lot of love out there. So I, I support anybody who's willing, who's willing to do it. It's, it's a fun thing to talk about it in a, in an amazing world that we live in. It's a great thing to get to do. Uh, to sit there and talk about football and, you know, just, and, and then not only that, the Browns, like that's, that's a cornerstone of my heart. <laughs> so 
Thanks. You're, I you're really the true stand-up comedian. I, 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 I'm pretty sure you've been standing this whole time, haven't you? I have. You're not sitting uh, down. You're standing up, sir. No, I, um, what's it called? I had, so my co-host on Face Off with Face Mirror, she watched another show that I was on where I was on. I think I was on that show for, I, again, I hijacked their show for an hour and a half, two hours. I, again, video show. I did two hours standing up and she's like, did you stand that whole time? And I'm like, yeah, why? <laughs> I I have no problem standing. I, I love doing it. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing. I don't know why I'm actually like, oh, thank you for letting me stand for three. I, I could, I could have brought a chair. I think I have chairs in my house somewhere, but I just, I do, I, I have the energy. I feel the energy when I stand up and record. I don't know what it is. It's something I figured out. I, when I, I, about six months into doing, draft vice i figured it out that this is the way i like recording is that oh this is very similar to when i get on stage it gets me to work on it's doing two things at once i'm used to already using the microphone like this i'm used to to talking like this and projecting and and pretending that nobody's there while people are great i, I do that all the time anyway so it, it's it's a great way to it, it really does have that like weird integration it, it, it's a good style fit for me um, I don't know if it would work for everybody. I, if everybody wanted to try it, it's it's a really fun way to keep your energy up. I started making other standups when they would come on the podcast, do it, and they're like, "Why are we standing?" Like, this well, is we so weird. Yeah, yeah. Why are we standing? Well, we do stand up. It's like yes, but there's no one here. There's no stage. I'm standing next to you this whole time. It's like we're on the field and you're like interviewing me. So I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this on the YouTube channel so listeners can uh, check it out. But uh, this has been so much fun, man. I appreciate um, it. I like to end all my podcasts with the Go Browns. So one, two, three. Go Browns!